thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. How we thank you for another day's journey. <clears throat> Lord, we know that trouble was all around today, but yet you allowed us the opportunity to come together once again. And Lord, we thank you for that right now. Lord, we thank you for those who are in this meeting tonight, those who are volunteering their time, Lord, to make sure that as we move forward as a city, we're doing the things that are pleasing in your sight. Lord, we pray that you will help us to understand that it's not about our personal agenda, but it's more about what is best for the city of Mansfield. Give us the focus that we need, Lord, the understanding that we need. If we don't have that understanding, to seek the knowledge and to ask the questions that are pertinent to what has taken place. We thank you for our leadership, our, our mayor and our council. Lord, we thank you for this zoning commission. And we certainly thank you for these group of volunteers in the city of Mansfield who are taking out of their time to help us with this process as we go forward. Continue to be with us and keep us in your sight. We thank you for all your many blessings and we give you all the praise, honor and glory. In Jesus name we pray. Thank God and amen. 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 And we don't have any flags in the room this evening, so we're going to unfortunately skip the Pledge of Allegiance, the Texas Pledge, and move right into the joint work session this evening. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I just start off by saying good evening and welcome to everyone. We're so glad to have each and every one of you out this evening to participate with us in this very important endeavor. We are planning the future for Mansfield for the next decade plus. I do want to pause and just take a moment and acknowledge our mayor. Good, good evening. Councilmember Short, Councilmember Bounds, Councilmember Lewis, and our chairs of our respective boards. Just a few quick items, if I may. If you haven't signed in already, please take a moment and sign in. And if you see any of us floating around, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate to reach out to me or to any member of our team. And so before I turn it over to Friends and Nichols, and I'm assuming Daniel will lead us off, I just want to recap what our city council charged us with on December 13th, and that was to dream. So this evening, let's kick off that dream of what our present will be like, what our future will be like, and what our inheritance to our future generations will be like. So with that, I will pause there and turn over to Frieza Nichols. Please, Daniel. Thank you, Jason. All right, well, thank you for coming out today. We have a uh, hour here that's going to be packed full of uh, information. Where What I'm going to go ahead and do is we'll do a little quick overview. Uh, then we're going to do a uh, SWAT activity, so a strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So that's we're going to start to get some information uh, from this group to help drive the future land use plan. Uh, we also have a second activity what's called our aspirations activity where we want to look for what do we want to aspire to be uh, in the next 20 years and moving forward uh, then we'll talk about a uh, next step just what happens uh, after today I'll highlight a little bit uh, on that schedule where we're going and so uh, real quick just want to go around and and do some uh, introductions 
just to let you know, my name is Daniel Harrison. I work with Freeze and Nichols. I'm a planner. So I work with cities and counties, and I develop comprehensive plans uh, for cities. And then also I work on developing zoning ordinances and subdivision regulations. So from the visioning into the implementation, so how do we ask people what they want in their community, uh, document that vision so everyone knows what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to be as a city. And then ultimately, how do we make that uh, into practice through our zoning, our land use controls, how we subdivide, how we put roads into the city. And, and that's what we do. Uh, been working with Freeze and Nichols for 20 years now. Uh, with me tonight also is Erica Craycraft, who's been with Freeze and Nichols for about 14 years, and then Connor Roberts as well. And so those are the three that you'll see uh, at, at all the meetings. You'll also see uh, Caitlin. She's going to help us with the special area plants, uh, and you'll see her later. She's, she's not here tonight. And then we have, some, of course, some other people on the team. A uh, little bit about uh, Freeze and Nichols. Uh, we are an engineering, planning, architecture firm. Uh, what we do is we work with all public sector clients, and so we work with uh, cities, counties, uh, water districts, uh, and all various sorts of plans. So we, uh, what, what my group in Freeze and Nichols, what we do is we do all the planning as far as uh, how the land uses are going to be laid out in a city where the roadways are going to be planned, thinking about downtown, so all the development that you see. And then ultimately, if you're on the council of PNC, when you see a zoning request come through, something like that, you know, looking back at the plan, how did we envision this area to be moving forward? Uh, so lots of different communities here in the area uh, that we've been privileged to be a part of uh, their story and helping them uh, develop. So I wanted to take just a second to talk about what's your role as the Conference of Plans Steering Committee, because it's very important to the process, because as we try to develop a plan, it needs to be tailored and customized, because each community is different about what they value and what they want to see in their plan. Uh, so your role is very important. So the first part is we talked about being stakeholders. Uh, that's... Uh, no one knows the city better than you. Uh, so living here, uh, owning businesses here, you're listening to the people, uh, your neighbors. Uh, so you know these issues uh, when we uh, try to think about how do we want to address some of these. Uh, we want to ensure that the input that we get through this process, uh, of course, we're getting your input. We're getting input from the public uh, at large, uh, also uh, from the council and PNZ. Uh, but when we get this input, uh, we also need your help refining that input. What does that mean when someone tells us something? And so that's uh, what we're going to present to you and to serve as a sounding board. Uh, so this is what we heard. This is what you told us. And this is a way to address that. So this group is very important to figuring out how these things will be implemented uh, in the plan. And the last one that we have is ambassadors uh, of the process. Uh, this process is designed to, like I said, collect people's input, uh, document that input, and translate that into action on how we as a community want to uh, develop moving forward. So what we'd like to do, and this is just to help us, and we assume most people know everyone uh, here in the room. Seems like, seems like you know each other pretty well. But uh, for us, what we'd like to do is uh, just uh, go around the table here and just do a quick little introduction, uh, your name, and then maybe something uh, uh, interesting about yourself or just what, how you're serving uh, in the city. And then we'll go ahead and uh, if we can start with you, and we'll just sort of go around the 
Sure. Okay. My name is Chris Johnson. I've lived in Mansfield for 21 years now. Transplant from California. Uh, retired law enforcement. Uh, I live over in Lowe's Farm area. I have watched uh, this great city bloom and blossom. Fell in love in the open fields when I got here and uh, have seen it grow. And uh, been involved with local high schools, with the bands, um, been involved with a couple church plants, and uh, just thought it was time to start start getting involved. So I saw the, the thing come out from uh, Councilmember Lewis and threw my hat in the ring and was kind of surprised when uh, I had this opportunity. So looking forward to learning and just providing input to help make the city better for future generations. Good, good evening. Like Chris, I too have been in Mansfield for the past 21 years. Uh, like Chris, I'm retired law enforcement as well. Uh, serve as the president of the Dover Heights Homeowners Association and pastor First Missionary Baptist Church in Fort Worth. Sorry. Good evening. Uh, Michael Maynard. I serve on the Planning and Zoning Commission. I've been in Mansfield since 1999, so I've been here quite a while as a resident as well. Enjoy serving in the city and looking forward to being a part of this process. Uh, Blake Axon, I serve on the Planning and Zoning Commission. Uh, my wife and I, we moved in the Mansfield and, and family. We lived in the Mansfield area for about 15 years now. Um, I'm a civil engineer in my professional life, but uh, I've always looked at volunteering and serving in the community, so I'm looking forward to this effort. Casey Lewis, I'm on the Mansfield City Council. I've been here 16 years on council since 2018. Uh, I'm Kim McCaslin. Uh, my family and I own a real estate development company here locally, and we've been really blessed to be able to help Mansfield develop um, in some parts over the years. And I'm excited to be about uh, to be a part of the remaining development in town and appreciate the opportunity to serve. I'm Tamara Bounds. I've been on the city council barely two years, feels like forever. Um, I have been in and around Mansfield. My kids all went to school here. They're all grown with kids themselves. I think I've been here probably about 38 years. So I have really seen Mansfield grow. We came when it only had the one high school uh, and really watched it branched out. And so I've been involved with the community for many years. My name is Jody Couts, and I uh, am I'm broker owner of two Remax offices, one in Arlington, one in Mansfield. Remax Associates of Mansfield. I grew up in Arlington, moved there in 1954. Please don't do the math; just stay with me. <laughs> um, and uh, moved to from Arlington, to, so I lived there most of my life, raised my kids there, but moved to Mansfield in 2003. So I've lived here for 20 years, and I can't believe it's been that long. I am excited about the opportunity to to serve a community that I really believe in. Julie Short, I serve on the city council. I was elected in 2018 also. Um, prior to that, have always been very involved in the community. Been here about almost 22 years with our family. Moved here for the schools. We have seven kids and 12 grandchildren. So um, I want to see Mansfield be a place where my kids want to live, my grandkids want to live. <laughs> I'm Barbara Landers. I am a realtor. I've been there. I've been a realtor for 25 years. I've been past president of the Arlington Board of Realtors. So we moved here 
probably almost five years ago, and I love it. I've always been in politics pretty much in Arlington, so now I'm trying to get my foot in the door in Mansfield so that I can see what's going on and help out as much as I can. Good evening. My name is Michael Evans. I get to be the mayor here, the great city of Mansfield. I've uh, served this community since 1989 and um, have grown here. Mansfield poured a whole lot into me, and I look forward to uh, uh, dreaming and seeing what the future is going to look like. And uh, I I am excited about uh, what we might get to do together. So um, uh, that's who I am, and I look forward to uh, listening and also uh, contributing. And I serve as the pastor of the Bethlehem Baptist Church and uh, been the pastor there since 1991. Poor people. I appreciate them keeping me around. <laughs> so uh, that's that's who I am. My wife and I, again, we we love Mansfield. My name is Scott Bowman. I get to go after the mayor. Uh, <laughs> originally moved here back in 2001. I've got five kiddos, and uh, they're probably one of the, the driving forces of me being so active in uh, developing what the future of Mansfield looks like. I'm currently sitting as the uh, president of the Parks Board, or the MPFDC, uh, and I'm excited to be here tonight. Okay. I'm Jennifer Thompson. I have three kids, two dogs, one lop-eared bunny, and a bearded dragon. I moved here from California when I was five years old. There was one high school, one stoplight. Debbie Lane was two lanes. Walnut Creek was four. Country Club was two lanes. So I grew up in a town that we all rode horses to school. That was literally what everybody said. So went away to college and came back, and like I said, I have kids, and now I listen to my kids and their friends and the things that they want, and I want the same thing. I want my kids to grow up here, and I want them to bring their families here and have their kids here, and I'm excited to be a part of this vision that I think that we all have in making Mansfield the best that it can be. I'm Dave Goodwin. I have one son. (laughs) who went through the complete Mansfield ISD experience. But as a result of that, he became a National Merit Scholar and got to go to college and law school for free. Wow. Lives in Boston, which he'll probably never move back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, PNC Commissioner, it's just my second term, uh, retired architect, and I'm also the president of downtown Mansfield. Okay. Uh, my name is Steve Grohl. I've been in Mansfield for 10 years. Thank you for being here uh, after me. I feel like I was the youngest uh, in the bunch. But I've been a consumer of all things Mansfield. We couldn't wait to get out here. I retired uh, Air Force, started my second career out here, and I, I'm interested in listening to what Mansfield used to be like, and I've, I've watched it grow in 10 years, remarkable growth. I've been on the Planning and Zoning Commission for about three and a half years, so it was just my way to get involved in the community, um, so I'm very happy to be here, and thanks for hosting us, Mr. Mayor. Appreciate it. I'm Jim Hampton, and like Jody, I grew up in, in Arlington. I um, remember riding my bike way out to Mansfield, <laughs> wondering if I could make it back home <laughs> as a child. I've uh, lived here for 15 years. I'm the outreach pastor at Creekwood Church. Uh, I'm on the ground and very involved in the community in that aspect, so... Tamara asked me to come on for this. I thought there'd just be another way to get involved in the community. Forward to it. Well, good evening, everyone. I believe I win the award for newest resident of Mansfield. <laughs> My family and I relocated here about two years ago from the East Coast. 
Um, I work for the city of Arlington. I manage all the federal funds there, but my background is in community planning and urban development. And when Councilmember Lewis um, sent out the call, I was happy um, to answer. I moved here as well for the schools and for the neighborhood and for Mansfield as, as a whole. We did a lot of research on where we wanted to land at in Texas, and we chose Mansfield purposefully. Um, I have one daughter at the Early College High School and one at the Jerry Knight Stemmon Academy, and we are pleasantly um, happy with all of the services that we've received here so far, and so we wanted to give back in this way. Um, to be a part of the future of how we proceed forward so that my children can grow up and, and be a part of Mansfield as well. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Maria Martinez Cosillo. I'm the current uh, dean for the College of Architecture, Planning, and Public Affairs at UTA. Uh, we, like Dr. Lewis here, we did a lot of research when moving from California um, to Texas 18 years ago, and Mansfield rose to the top of the list in terms of schools. So that's what we chose. I told my husband, I just I, I can do 30 minutes anywhere in any direction from UTA, and uh, Mansfield again landed at the top of the list. And our kids went from Willie Brown all the way to Mansfield High School. I have one doing a doctorate now, and the other one uh, is a military uh, spouse. So we're very proud of them. And again, Mansfield really helped to form them. I'm happy to be here. My research is also community development, urban development. I'm a sociologist by training. So well, that's a that's a wealth of knowledge, and and uh, really excited to hear how passionate people are about making the community better and trying to plan for the future and thinking about all the different aspects that we've heard uh, so far. So, real quick, little planning one on one on one before we get into our uh, exercises. So, just a little background. Uh, what is comprehensive planning? How do we think about planning uh, at the municipal level? Of course, the Texas Local Government Code, as we are set up as a state, it enables uh, uh, cities to do the planning. Uh, so we have Chapter 213, but of course, uh, other things that the state enables us to do is uh, zoning and subdivision controls. Uh, but what we're really trying to focus on is the public health, safety, and welfare. So how do we as a community feel that, that our planning is going to best fit uh, our community forward. So, talk a little bit about an approach here, uh, looking at uh, the comprehensive plan. Uh, now, we're talking about the future land use plan, but when we say comprehensive plan in general, we can think of other things that are going into sort of planning the city, such as the master thoroughfare plan. Uh, that's something that we'll take into consideration as we are looking at land uses. Uh, also, uh, parks planning, so where the parks are going to be, that also influences our future land use uh, planning. And then so we know that the, the last update of the land use plan was back in uh, 2012, so we are taking a fresh look at that. And, of course, a lot of things have really changed uh, since 2012. Uh, us as a state, us as a city, uh, just us as a society with different things that have, you know, talk about how COVID has changed a lot of things, you know, if we were thinking about 2012 and asking people, what do you think 2022, 2023 would look like, uh, it'd be pretty, uh, pretty interesting to hear what they would say and how close they'd be. So one of the things we like to sort of set out is how is the plan sort of viewed as when we're looking at how is this going to be used? How is this helpful for the community? How is it helpful for the council? <clears throat> how, how is it helpful for staff? 
Well, we, we start with this quote here from Zig Ziglar. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. One of the things we really want to take a look at is uh, as we look out 20 years and beyond, where do we want to be? We need to paint that picture uh, just not only for uh, someone who wants to develop in the community, but so everyone knows where are we trying to be as a community. What is, what is our future housing going to look like? What, what are we trying to target for jobs and, and those type of things? So the conference of plans is going to be a very useful document because it's going to take that vision and it's going to help it flow into our different codes that we do. Also budgeting, how we plan to uh, budget for uh, road improvements, things like that. So going back to, to how the plan is used. Uh, of course, we have the city council. We're very gracious to have the, the city council, these volunteers who are elected. Uh, but what is really the main purpose of the city council? Well, it, it, it's to make decisions for the betterment uh, of the community. And these volunteers, of course, they want to make the best decisions that they can uh, for the city, uh, from financial decisions, from, from social decisions, to, to how we're going to uh, develop. So, But how are they going to make that best informed decision that they are trying to make? Well, uh, they're going to look at various sources of input. And the comprehensive plan or the future land use plan is a really critical part of painting that picture to say, well, what do we look at moving forward as a community? What do we want to be? And as we are doing this right now, because we're going to look at the city as a whole, we're going to take a lot of facts and, and figures and take a look at those. Um, but this is not sort of similar to like when we have a hot case come through the planning and zoning and city council that says, hey, should we approve this or not? We have a lot of people upset one way or the other. Uh, when we look at something like that, we want the council and PNZ to say, hey, what did, what did the comprehensive plan say? Because when we were doing the comprehensive plan and the future land use plan, we really looked at the city as a whole. So whatever the hot button issue is in this part of the town, well, when we were all looking holistically at things, this is what we thought was the best idea moving forward. But the future land use plan is not the only thing that the council is going to have to make decisions. Uh, they have a recommendation from the Planning and Zoning Commission who will look at That's why we have public hearings, so they can hear and make a recommendation. Uh, the council also has public hearings as well, whether we're talking about a rezoning case. Well, people can come out and hear about that zoning case and provide that input directly to the council. Uh, you also have your staff. You have very qualified staff that takes these plans and these documents that the city has developed over time, and they, they make recommendations. So you can rely on your staff to say, this is what we said the future land use in this area should be. This are the things that we said we valued, and they present that to you in a report. So going back to how the plan is used, it's really to, to provide input. And so, of course, what's the council going to do? With this input, well, they're really going to make decisions. They're going to make decisions about zoning, uh, street widths, th things like that, uh, building building regulations. So that's how the council is going to use it, and that's why it's such an important document uh, for cities to have and to keep updated. Because, like I said, this is a great time to look at it since it's 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 been uh, since 2012. So great time to look at it. So we want to look at looking out 20 years. So where do we want to be in the next 20 years as far as the development of the community? As we see, and, and there, there's a couple maps, but and we sort of moved them out for space, but you can sort of see the vacant areas. Uh, what are those areas going to turn out to be? What do we want to see? Uh, there's a lot of potential uh, in those areas. So how should that, that land develop? 
Uh, we've sort of talked about it being a decision-making guide and our guide for future land uses, but other city policies doing capital improvement programming, uh, such as how do we want to fund uh, different things, uh, that's going to be important. Uh, but the plan is not zoning. So when, when, we, when we see that future land use map, it's just not a carbon copy of your zoning map. It's really supposed to inform uh, decisions about uh, where we want to have something in the future. Uh, it's not a rigid policy. Uh, these planning documents are to provide the vision and the game plan moving forward. Um, in 2018, when we were doing planning, of course, you know, we didn't know COVID was coming, but, you know, could we have really imagined how all the things that that has changed for as far as whether people are working from home or office demand, different things like that. Uh, so, we know that things in society will, will come up that, that we need to sort of address our planning. So this plan is not a rigid policy that can't be changed. It's okay to update your plan because, like I said, in 2023, we're going to do our best job looking out. But when it's 2025, well, something may have happened that we really need to take into consideration to, to change the plan. So planning is not a rigid policy that, that we don't. Uh, want to feel bad about coming back and looking at our plans to say, hey, we just need a course correct because of these, these factors. And it's not the final answer. A lot of people think that, okay, now we have a plan, now everything's going to be easy. No, it, it's not the final answer to, to all uh, the city's problems. It's going to provide direction and sort of a way to, to chart our course moving forward, but it is a plan to help guide. So, of course, uh, we've uh, working with staff and, and, and you. Uh, we've developed Mansfield 2040, our plan, our guide, our future, and that's sort of the branding uh, that we'll have in the document and uh, you'll see on the website moving forward. Uh, mission statement, uh, that's been uh, drafted uh, to deliver an adaptive plan that embodies sustain, sustainable land uses, practices, and results in a community that is highly regarded for its elevated quality of life, protection of the built and natural environment and inclusive and an inclusive future for all. So once again, as we move forward, uh, we'll be working on drafting some guiding principles that, that are based on this, where we could flush that out a little bit more to provide that detail about how, how do we want to move forward uh, and the concepts that are, they're going to come out of that uh, vision statement. So real quick, uh, what are the different chapters that we're going to have in the future land use plan? Uh, we do have a community snapshot chapter. That's where we're going to look at some facts and figures sort of similar to the existing land use where we'll have numbers on the land use. We'll, we'll look at some uh, demographics here in a, a second. Uh, then that second chapter is talking about the guiding principles similar to the true north. How do we want to tailor that uh, to the future land use plan? Then we'll actually have the future land use plan, which will be a map with categories and descriptions about what is intended uh, to be on those different categories and be included in that. Uh, we do have the special area plans. We'll have a map here that we'll put up on the screen, but there's also one out in the hall if anyone wants to, to look at that. And then we'll talk about implementation. How do we want to achieve these things? Because while we'll have some great recommendations in the future land use plan, to do them all in year one is, is unrealistic. So what we want to do is we want to prioritize what things can we continually be doing, what are short-term uh, actions, what are long-term actions. 
So real quick, uh, just going through some of the community snapshot uh, elements. Uh, yes, we know a little over 81,000 people. You can sort of see slow growth, but uh, sort of matches the growth what we've sort of seen uh, in the Metroplex as we, we've grown uh, as a region. Of course, we're in a very uh, desirable uh location in the state and a, a state that has a lot of economic development and growth. So we're in a, in a good situation uh, to be in uh, compared to a lot of different different places on there. Uh, if we look at different, uh, we can look at different elements as far as our community, members of our community. Uh, this is uh, an age pyramid that we have over here where we can see uh, men and women and what we can sort of see is, you know, how do we break down in the, these lines here is how we are as a state. So when we look at uh, a community, we can sort of see uh, we do have sort of our, you know, sort of how we're different than a state. It sort of rec represents uh, families in, in neighborhoods, uh, kids going to school, as you can see, uh, we're higher uh, for our school-age children. Of course, you know, college age, you're moving away for college. Uh, hopefully you're coming back, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you're not uh, in there. But then we can sort of see when, when families are also uh, returning uh, as well on there. Uh, then I'll also a uh, breakdown of uh, male and female as a whole. Other community snapshot information, uh, looking at, uh, this is median household income on the left side of the screen. Uh, so you can see for the state at 67,000, about uh, 105, 106 uh, for Mansfield. And then just a little breakdown of the different, a uh, uh, little, little pie chart, a little donut chart here of the different uh, income distributions that we have uh, in the community. Moving on to guiding principles. Uh, once again, these are the things that we are trying to develop. So we're getting the initial input from you uh, today and from the public tomorrow to develop guiding principles to help guide uh, the plan. And so these are gonna be overarching themes or, or lenses on how we view uh, the development of the plan. So these elements that we are going to hear uh, from you tonight, from the public tomorrow, uh, this is what we're gonna start crafting. And then of course, we'll present these back to you. Once again, the sounding board to say, you know, this is what we've heard from the public. Let's talk about this. And of course, is this, uh, is this right? And then of course, we're considering how the True North uh, principles uh, can be reflected in the plan, those are the guiding documents, or the guiding principles, of course, for the community as a whole. Uh, and then we'll develop, uh, oh, and, and the guiding principles being developed by the council based upon our, our input that we're getting. So land uses, one of the things that we'll touch about uh, in the course of the plan is land uses. Uh, so one of the things we'll talk about is emerging trends, sort of best practices, and we'll present those to you so you, so you get to know uh, what are some of the planning trends. Uh, goals and strategies, long-range guidance uh, for future lane use. How do we want to see these areas developing in the future? We also provide population and uh, population projections. So we look at once all this land is filled in, uh, how many people uh, would be supported inside the city limits. So that can help for infrastructure planning. If this is going to mean X amount of water meters and things like that, so we can take a look at this is our. Because our future land use is basically the, the 401k that we have for the city moving forward because these land uses will produce not only people but the taxes uh, moving, moving forward. So the way we color the map will have influences on the income that the city has but also the, the type of housing uh, that we'll have as well. Uh, one of the things 
things that sort of led into that. Uh, this, uh, you already have this, in, and I know the council's already seen this, the urban urban three study in there. Um, and so what this was taking a look at is just taxable uh, value, because once again, uh, we talked about mission statement sustainability, uh, making sure that there is a uh, uh, sustainable practice moving forward as far as uh, looking at how the city should be funded. Uh, but what you can see here is the these little taxable values. Uh, green is the uh, the lower value when we're looking at uh, taxable uh, uh, value per acre on there. And then with the darker colors or the red colors showing you the highest value. So that would be more your commercial uh, uh, properties, uh, as you can see, along key corridors. That's why key corridors are important. Um, and this could be a lot of ways to uh, help fund, uh, fund services. Uh, uh, and then just taking once again, this is this is straight out of the urban three studies. Just this is our information on there, but this is really good information. We just want highlights uh, since it's an existing city document. Uh, but it's taking a look at as we think about land uses, uh, what's sort of the best path moving uh, forward? Because uh, here's sort of an example that that report provided: uh, this flowers, etc. Well, you know, this is a small uh, building, but if you look at it as a per acre uh, value, uh, small businesses like this produce more something about this is 7.7 .7 million per acre versus we have the parks mall, which is roughly a two, 2 million uh, per acre. So once you sort of start looking at what the land uses support, uh, also the, the, the value that's added, that's just one of the things that we can talk about moving forward because we'll have a lot of discussion like, well, is this, you know, how does this use, if we decide this, how, how might this trade-off be somewhere else? Because um, I think when we when we look forward to whole diversity of things, it's it probably a good thing to have. But once again, we want to have these in our consideration as we're going through that process. Uh, other things that you can see in that report, uh, this is just a nice uh, presentation uh, that they had in this where they were showing uh, the higher taxable values of the uh, different properties in here. So you can sort of see these, uh, you know, um, smaller scale type commercial uses, retail uses, uh, being very useful as far as providing uh, that, that taxable value. And then part of that report was also talking about or showing sort of like, what are, what are the trade-offs uh, that we see? Because when we start talking about housing, uh, different elements uh, like, like whether it's a large uh, one or two acre, uh, like you could sort of see here on the right versus uh, these uh, five uh, craftsman style homes, uh, what's the value per acre? And you can start to take a look at some of those things. This uh, Here are these Alvarado Street craftsman homes per acre, it's 2.7 million versus when you see a large uh, rural, more rural type large lot development uh, in there, even though that, that's a very expensive home, but the, the total value per acre would be 1.3. So when we're sort of taking a look at some of these things, because we want you to be sure that you have that information because just sometimes, you know, when you, when you look at some of these things, you don't know what the true cost of those are. And so one of the things to factor into our consideration. Uh, looking at employment, uh, also, this took a look at uh, who was leaving to go to work, who was coming inside, or who was traveling from outside to, to come to Mansfield to work, but also who was staying staying in. So if you look at this graphic here, uh, 28 or 28,000 jobs were, were people were leaving to 
go to work, whether it's before work or house. Uh, about 4,200 people were staying inside the city limits. They live here and also work here. But then also we had uh, 22,000 people coming into the town uh, to work. So you can sort of see uh, that, that ratio. And that report did a nice job saying, <clears throat> sticking with this color scheme that you see there. You know, how, is, how is Tarrant County as a whole uh, doing that? 30% uh, of the Tarrant County population leaving, 40% uh, staying inside Tarrant County. 30% coming in into the county. So you can sort of see uh, as a percentage, and this is Fort Worth, and as, as Mansfield, we do have a smaller portion of, you know, people staying here to work. And, and as, as you would think, you know, the job opportunities, where those are, that's, of course, where people are driving. And then who's leaving? Uh, between 30 and 54 years old, uh, earning more than 3000 uh, a month. And then who's coming in? Uh, what? under 29 basically and earning less than that, uh, 33. Uh, 33. <laughs> so special areas, uh, that's one of the things that we'll also take a look at in the uh, future land use plan. Uh, the downtown district, the entertainment district, innovation <coughs> district, the Western Promise, and the uh, ETJ uh, on there. And then we have a map showing where those areas are. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll also have this available, this presentation available online, so of course anyone see this but we'll have those larger maps outside uh, implementation plan of course we'll do a, a to-do list at the end we sort of touched on that and I want to be sure we get get to the get to the activities here um, our development process is of course we're collecting input here in February uh, in March through May we're going through uh, the refining having feedback on the concepts that we're going to develop <coughs> input uh, we're going to draft through June and October. Uh, then we'll, once we have a draft, we want to present that back uh, to the community so people can uh, weigh in on the draft. And then in December, we'll talk about revising the draft based upon that second round of community input that we're getting. And then uh, January of 2024 is when we're looking at the uh, potential adoption of the plan. Uh, so just real quick on the schedule, uh, this is where we are tonight. Uh, we will have our open house tomorrow, uh, and then we will uh, be at the council uh, workshop uh, here this, this Friday. Uh, then what we will do is uh, we'll have some stakeholder discussions for each of those special uh, districts. Uh, we'll have those in March. And then the next time we'll meet as a steering committee is uh, later in March uh, to be determined. We'll, we'll work with uh, Jason to get that date. Uh, so, so that's really moving forward the next few steps uh, in there. Oh, but but did want to go back to, to really just going back to January of next year is when we're trying to get everything uh, wrapped up. <clears throat> we do have a project website uh, where all this stuff will be able to be uh, downloaded, presentations, every draft. Uh, so we have a QR code. Uh, it's also mansfield2040.com. Uh, and then, like I said, that's just a screenshot, so everyone could, uh, uh, we have all the information right there, so just anyone who needs to have that information, if you have a neighbor asking, hey, how do I get a copy? Uh, you can tell them everything that we've looked at, it's on the website, because we want everything, everything that you guys see also just on the website so everyone can see that. So with that, uh, what we'll do is we want to do a quick uh, SWAT exercise. And so, this is looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we'll sort of describe these as strengths are characteristics that the city can uh, 
gives an advantage to our other cities around. <clears throat> Another way to sort of take a look at this are what are things that we are currently doing well. Uh, so our strengths and our uh, strengths and weaknesses are really current things that are, that are going on right now where we're, we're really looking at advantages or disadvantages. But then we're going to switch and ask for future things. What elements of the environment do we really need to, to, to say, hey, if we do this well, I mean, we could be X, Y, Z, or these are the things that I want to be sure that, that we don't turn into. And, and it's really a threat to, you know, whether we're going to be a, a family-centered community or, or that doesn't align. So, so we want to sort of document those. So, um, and with that, because what I'll do, and what Eric is going to do, and help out, she is going to, we'll type it all up on the screen. Uh, so we can see it live. So, um, but anyway, let, let's start out. If I could get a volunteer just to say, uh, what do you think a strength of Mansfield would be? Public park system. Park system, yeah. Park system. School district. Okay. Uh, <coughs> it used to be. And, and, and it, it, it could be both. We can have something on a strength and also on, on a weakness on there. We're educating our children. So. To be ready. Oh, we so we yes. It's a good location. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Access access to airport. Okay. Yeah. Airport. Rating. Okay. City credit rating. That's right. Growing retail opportunities. Growing retail opportunities. Available land. Available land. Mm -hmm. I try another one this time. Sense of community. Okay. Sense of community. Household uh, income. I know, right? <laughs> Something about income? Household, household income. income. Oh, household income? Okay. I'd say the emergency services are great here. Police and fire. That's right. Growing arts community. Low crime rate. Access to hospitals. City leadership. And that was for free, by the way. <laughs> 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 All of you I get another cookie, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have a diverse community as well. <laughs> I think its appeal is a small town appeal, which is waning, but I think it's it's one of the appeals. Yeah. And any any others? All right, we will go to weaknesses. I have the first one again. <laughs> the school district. <laughs> and now this time, because of you showed a slide, educators can't afford to live in the city in which they're teaching the children. Entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> and it's just it's just lack of enter entertainment opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't have enough east west roads. Uh, say road. Traffic. 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 Yeah. And I heard infrastructure. Is there uh, uh, other infrastructure besides roads? Debbie's <laughs> 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 up there too, man. Traffic. We created created everything off of broad. So if you live on the east or west side of the city, 
it now takes you, it takes me 30 minutes from Lowe's Farm to get to Methodist Hospital on a weekend. You don't go out on the weekend. So we've got to, we've got to get out of that mindset. It's not widening roads. That's not the answer on that, on that traffic. Like if you're on the east or west side, you are boxed in. So I'll be curious to see how we incorporate the south and future land. We've got to think differently about roads for sustainability. The youth want that. I would say out of all the infrastructures, roads is probably the top. Okay. Over water, sewer, and so forth. Water and sewer are fantastic. Am I right about that, Rick? Part of that for streets is not just not having the streets in the right places, but it's also a large backlog. The repairs. What Strong Town's supposed to fix? Mean. I'm not sure exactly how to phrase that, but uh, yeah, that's a debt that's been that's coming to. Yeah. Not a walkable city. That's a good one. Too many large parking lots instead of retail on the sidewalks. Not, not enough uh, high-end professional jobs. I mean, you can see that. Sustainability. We're just ergonomically weak on that for multi-use. Shops, restaurants, apartments, condos all together, single homes compared to northern cities. People could walk to, to the what the doctor said there, you could walk to it. It was a comment about too many too many apartments? No. Or just not multi There was one down here. Somebody yeah. yeah. I didn't yes. say that. Okay. Okay. I say an apartment word. And this might counter that I don't think we have enough density to support some of the small businesses we have here. I think we did have one for too many apartments. We are rapidly aging. A lot of us like to think that we're a, a relatively new community, but we're actually in our coming up deep into our second generation as a city. And so we're going to start seeing single-family neighborhoods on the east side of town and the north side of town that have been frozen in time. That the best that they ever were was the day where they were built 25 and 30 years ago and 40 years ago. And we have had no new reinvestment into those areas. So fast forward to 2040, those are now 50-year-old and 60-year-old homes. I'd like to add about generations here. So, I mean, I'm 50. Why, why stay in Mansfield to, to Casey's point with my area is now 22 years old on the east side of town. We're old now. Well, it sounds like we're. That's a great segue into opportunities and threats. Looking, looking, looking for. Do, do we have anything else as a weakness before we switch to looking, looking into the future? Okay. All right. There go. Because, um, because as you can see, some of these issues you could take a look at. This really is an opportunity. This really is a threat. It, it actually could fit in all four categories. So uh, I think we could say, you know, how do we keep people here? Or, or, or how are you saying that? Because I want to want to use your your words on there. Well, I just think to what Casey said, older established neighborhoods in 2040 would now be 40 plus years old. So how how do we address that as a city? Because those house house tops generate revenue, tax dollars. How do you keep professional who's now getting ready to retire to stay in that household. I don't know how to frame 
frame that out. Well, because those can also be some of the, some of our existing housing stock can be some of our most affordable homes on there. Because sometimes our older ones are smaller in size. Yes, people can tear down and rebuild, but uh, the smaller homes are, are typically our older ones. So those could be a good source of uh, affordable housing. Any any other opportunities moving moving forward? I think we have great uh, expansion areas for live work opportunities. <clears throat> I would say the development of our uh, corridors, 287 and 360 corridors, those are opportunities for entertainment and, and things of that nature. And the opportunity that comes from not being land-bound by other cities? Yeah. Two sides, at least, where we could potentially expand. That's right, the ATJ. You're right. So, uh, location. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, room, room Our historic downtown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. That's good. Innovation district jobs. Mm -hmm. Higher paying jobs. We've <laughs> <laughs> got partnerships with other cities that include our school district. How do we leverage that in ways that improve ours? Alternative transportation. I love that. Variety of housing. <laughs> you either have a high-priced home or you have a high-priced apartment. Those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> With the alternative transportation, uh, could you expand on that a little bit more? Like, is it thinking... Uh, you know, is that working from home? Or so you, you showed a slide a minute ago that said we had 25,000 people that leave every morning, 22,000 to come in, only 4,000 stay here. We'll never be able to build Broad Street or Debbie Lane wide enough to accommodate for that. So we have to find ways to take our local neighborhoods and make it where I don't have to leave my neighborhood to be able to get milk, bread, eggs, go to a park. Have, I need to be and so making sure that we have sidewalks and bike paths and slower street speeds through not obviously don't slow down Broad Street but slow down the internal streets so that people can easily walk to the things that they need but I would also um, I think there's an opportunity to look at some major employers and can we run let's run up I hate driving run a bus to UTA, there's a whole ton of people that live in Mansfield that work at UTA. You know, some of us carpool, some of us, you know, informally do that, but man, if you had a bus with Wi-Fi, I think you'd fill it up. You know, what are some other employers where we're exporting people? So we take that load off of Broad Street. Well, on that opportunity, continue to look at growing. We have a huge medical sector here. So why cannot we continue to support medical sector and high-end tech? that is going to draw a lot of great minds and young minds and innovation to the city with open land. And to do that, I think you need higher ed in Mansfield. You need some satellite campus here for higher ed that would connect to something like that. Yeah. Mansfield's designated for two rail stops in 2042? Around that same time. So we need to plan for it today. Stops for what? Stop will be in downtown Mansfield and another one out by Big League Dreams. Oh, real stops. Good, good. good. Any, any more before we switch to 
press. Yeah. Just one more opportunity. Uh, we can't leave behind. I think the city does a great job, but I'm just biased to be retired, but continue to support to keep the crime down, our, our, our public safety, so infrastructure, fire department, police, whatever that looks like, just understanding how that's funded in these opportunities. So our last one, uh, threats. So, so what, what do we think may pose an issue to uh, Mansfield's way of life? South Arlington and Grand Prairie. And opportunities. I think our education school district, I think it's 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 uh, under threat, I guess I would say. As people relocate from other parts of the country here, of course, you're looking at the schools and, and all that. It's very, very important. Mansfield's a destination city now. I don't, I don't know how to phrase that, but people are coming here, and they're, we have to be prepared. They're coming here. They're coming. They're Not just for the school oh, district. Looking, huh? Not just for the school district anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, you looked at that growth chart you had a while ago, the exponential growth yeah. in the last 10 years. If that's going to continue, then that's a threat. We're seeing older people in our neighborhood, older people moving in. We just had next-door neighbors that are multi-generational. <laughs> Grandma, mom, and two kids. So that's interesting. I think to add to that, you know, realigning the thinking about how to grow Mansfield in a way that increases your retail trade areas so that you can gather some other retailers that are more attractive and that people are constantly saying that they want, that you have to do, you have to realign their thinking in order to be able to obtain that. You know, rooftops, retail. Housing affordability. Yes. Lack lack of uh, entertainment and other type of amenities uh, that that would attract we, uh, younger yeah. younger citizens. We weren't joking about Grand Prairie and Arlington. I was just about to say they're on our city limit lines, share highway frontage. Everybody that lives in Grand Prairie on the east side of 360 considers themselves a Mansfield resident. That is true. And they're mm-hmm. spending their time in Grand Prairie. Totally. Losing our identity. Too many people. If Grand Prairie were to, on 360, hit entertainment districts before we do, then we no longer get the entertainment district. Got it. Everybody goes there. That's true. Personally, I think our greatest threat is doing the same thing in the next 20 years that we did in the past. Yes. Good job. Like what got us here won't get us there. Okay. I'm borrowing that from an office. That's not original. That's really good. Good. <laughs> Anything else before we go through our last? Traffic management, traffic planning, both highway and city streets. Needs look. I think a future threat too is just I'll say the term diversity in the aspect we need to understand having two college daughters one that works in Fort Worth every day cooks children that great recipient of the Mansfield School District and UTA what what we got to understand what they want that's a threat to this city right I mean I look around this room there's talented people in this room I don't see youth mm-hmm. respectfully. Oh, we've gotta, oh, hey, no, I mean, we've got to, we just have to have, 
you yes. gotta keep that tab line to you. That's a 30 year old. Respectfully. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think we need to think about who do we want to target and how do we get that information. Yeah, in a few. That's kind of what I meant. To speak more on that, I think that you're absolutely on point with that. I mean, my oldest is 15, which, I mean, really is youthful. But to listen to her talk and when we just go into downtown and she'll say things like, Mom, downtown needs a bookstore. Like, you can go exactly. in and you can sit down and you can hang out. Like, But she's what's coming up. Yes, ma'am. We have to listen to her. Even. We have to. And I, I think Jason said it pretty well when I think he, he mentioned about, like, what, what's the inheritance that we want to leave the, the right. next next group of leaders and, and families moving, moving in? So, so I think looking for that future, like what 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 do the youth want? Because we want to make sure the city makes, continues to be attractive. You know, as as we can look back to the previous generations about what they sort of valued and, and thought was unique development. Well, we we change change over time. I, I do have one more threat to add on there. I think it's important is financial insolvency from the city side. We, we have to replace all these roads in the not-too-distant future. Right. It's going to fall on the backs of the 26,000 single-family homeowners instead of the, the businesses and multifamily. And the way we've been getting them, it's not sustainable. Well, we'll, we'll go to our last one because I know we're, we're getting a little short on time here. But uh, this is an important one because this is sort of encapsulate and, and, and I don't know if you prefer to, because it's sort of nice if we can sort of go around the room uh, on this one is to talk about aspirations and we want you to sort of uh, uh, maybe we'll start here um, so, so on this side you'll have plenty of time to, to think about your, your answer but we want you just to sort of take a thought about you know what do we want the city to aspire to be uh, you know how do we measure progress I mean these are some of the things to think about when you think about that you know how do we want to measure progress in 20 years I hope uh, you know whether whether we just hope Mansfield doesn't turn out like our, our neighbors, you know, because maybe we want to be unique and, and different. Uh, we talked about a destination. So those are all things that I think we could uh, we could weave in to the uh, guiding principles. Uh, and also, you know, what do we want to be known for in the next 20 years? Why do people move here? Why do people want uh, so, so just sort of thinking, you know, I hope Mansfield will be, and, 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 <coughs> if you don't have anything, that's fine. We'll just we'll just we'll just go to the next one. But I just want to be sure that we can we could go around. And everyone one has a chance. But uh, and the, like I said, no right or wrong on this. This really just helps us frame the discussion for those guiding principles to understand. This is what <coughs> people are saying they would really like to aspire to be uh, in the next twenty years and beyond. So, Chris, I guess we'll start with you if you don't. <laughs> Sure, you want a word or a, or yeah. a thought or yeah, just just you know, I hope the, the yeah. city will be in, in 2040. I hope we'll be known for whether it's it's the great play. So I'll, I'll kind of phrase the way. Yeah, hometown feel, innovative, and we grew with sustainability in mind. I watch too much television, and I'm thinking of Mayberry, but. To be able to attract yeah, and retain people with investors. <clears throat> I leave my car unlocked. Mm. <laughs> Feeling of community. I hope Mansfield will continue to be a destination for families. 
piggyback on that. Call it a life destination. A life destination. Because we want our community to be a place where we live, we stay here, and to do that, it's got to be a live, work, play community. A place that my kids can live, work, and raise my grandkids. I just want us to be unique, something uh, I want us to have opportunities to live, play and work that are, that are different than our surrounding adjacent communities. So a little more creativity in that endeavor um, and uh, because to me, then that makes you a destination that 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 is that definition to me. And I, and I would echo what everybody else says, too. I mean, I would love it if my son that's in college or my daughter that's in high school now wants to still live here or wants to have a business here um, or wants to just or be a part of something like this here. I'll piggyback on what everyone has said, but I'm, I would like for us to also maintain our heritage. I, I don't want to see us lose that in another identity. So maintain that. I, I love the thing of live, work, and play here. I would love for my children to move back here, my grandchildren to be here. Um, I think that's very important. I want us to still remain financially stable, to be sustainable as we move down 20 years to be able to afford the things that we need. So be uh, a conscientious of how we're spending and be frugal with that. Uh, I would like to see Mansfield in 20 by 2040 be not just a community. I, when I moved here, I considered it a golf course community. And that was one of the things that attracted me and my family to Mansfield. But I see it becoming a medical community, and I, I think that brings in professionals and higher wages, and so I, I like the idea of, of focusing on working on that medical community growth. I think one of the best things about Mansfield is that hometown feel, so I hope that we never lose that, and it has always been my goal that we are able to live, work, shop, and play here, and like Kim said, in, in a unique way, not just every store that every other city has, but, you know, a place where you could go downtown and spend four or five hours, you know, having lunch together and shopping and then maybe enjoying some live entertainment and, and wine and dinner in the evening, that kind of place. I'm not sure exactly how to say all of that, but just that we are continuously growing that that diversity in our tax base to take that burden off of our homeowners and also offer the great jobs and the shopping and the playing. She took all of mine. <laughs> yeah, but I'm from a very, very small town. Uh, I don't know if y'all ever heard of Shamrock, Texas. We had 
St. Patrick's Day. So when I found out about the pickle parade from her a few years back, I came down and the kids were there and they were just throwing little things out. I was like, oh, this is home. This is what I would love for Mansfield to stay. And as I was said, as a realtor, I do, I am concerned wanting the tax base to be affordable, that if you, you know, you want to live here, you're not, you, you can live here, your taxes are not going to force you out of your home. So I've always, um, the way I look at things, I try to say, okay, we got all these rooftops coming up. Okay, now how does that affect the tax base with the people who already had homes? Does it go down? Does it stay? I know we need them because we got to put in new schools, new infrastructure. And, you know, it's just one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. But in the end, this is the best place that I've found since leaving that little small town and wanting to have that for my kids and my grandkids. So that is what I'm looking forward to. A uh, vibrant city with a hometown feel that allows people from diverse backgrounds to have remarkable experiences cradle to grave. Like I said in the intro, uh, you know, having a place that my kids and grandkids can be. You know, I'm selfish wanting wanting that. I'm sure we all have that selfish feeling. But to be able to plant roots, you know, where they feel <coughs> accepted by a community and they feel uh, known by the community, um, not just, you know, streets and, and neighborhoods, but an actual community of, of people. I want them to be able to live and work here. Uh, and, of course, uh, I would be amiss if I didn't say that I wish that uh, Mansfield would continue to have award-winning parks. We have incredible quality of life. Uh, through our parks and, and uh, in 2040 I'd hope we continue that pattern um, I would like to see us maintain a strong sense of pride in our community and stay true to our heritage and what we are known for and then also when it comes to all of this I really I like the uniqueness and the creativity but I really hope that we come up with a way that we exceed all of these expectations when it comes to city amenities and fire, police, and higher education, because ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to be able to have my family and my family's family live, work, play, and grow here. I hope that in 2040, we can look back and say that in the early 20s, the city of Mansfield organizations developed an agility of thought that allows them to change and with what's going to happen in the next 17 years because we cannot imagine what some of those changes are but we can prepare how to deal with change how to accept it analyze it plan ahead and arrive at 2040 ahead of our competitors right that's right yeah, so this is uh, aspirational. It means we can, irregardless of, of any of the resources. But I would say I think I would like Mansfield to be unique without exceeding its resources. I think I think we have to be sensitive to the fact that we've got limited resources. We have limited land for development. We'll have a limited tax base. I, I see a sign, or I, I used to see a sign on 
East Broad just coming over there by the hospital. And it used to say a sign said seconds from anywhere. And, and it's not our reality anymore. It's, it's, it's ideal. It doesn't exist. So I think we have to be attentive to working within our resources and, and make sure that we're managing those to the best of our ability. Um, at the risk of insulting this process with my simple mind, <laughs> the first thing I thought of when <clears throat> you put that up there is I hope Mansfield will be Mansfield. And that's been echoed in a lot of people's comments, you know, and we don't lose our, in our quest to progress, progress, we don't lose, you know, what we've all known and come to love, you know. And that's not anything specific, but it's, it's an aspiration. In 2040, I hope that we'll look back on this process and say that Mansfield has become a best practice a model for other cities experiencing an explosion of growth for good reasons, for that matter. Um, but that we will continue, as many of you have echoed, to embrace its history and believe the reason why Mansfield has become what it is, while also embracing its present and its opportunities. Um, I'm going to be more specific, and I would love at 2040 for Mansfield to be a leader in sustainable and varied housing options. So passive energy homes, micro homes, lofts downtown, agile dwelling units that allow people to age in place. Thank you all for that. Uh, as we, like I said, take this information and incorporate it, uh, you know, we hear, hear a lot of themes already going on. Uh, of course, the passion for the community and wanting to keep what is special and how do we grow that. Uh, because sort of as we look at growth and development that's happening to our state, uh, our area as a region, you can sort of think of it like some, some rushing water. And the nice part is we get to plan for that. So at least we get to channelize this, why, why we don't control how much <clears throat> flow and water is going to come out of the sky, but we, we can help set up the structure that this is going, the water is going to run in the direction that we'd like it to run. Um, so sort of next steps moving forward. Uh, open house tomorrow night where we'll be doing this, this with the public, getting their input. Uh, we'll be at the uh, council retreat to, to sort of give an update on how that is going, but for the next uh, steering committee meeting, uh, we'll have some uh, goal refinement process to uh, be done where we can show you uh, what we have and the input and how we how we develop that. So that's really uh, moving forward, and, and I know I kept you a little bit uh, over time, but uh, is there any any questions or anything else, any other comments you might have before we uh, break for tonight? Not just thank you so much for your time, and it's so valuable, and it's really an honor to work with you guys. I'm really excited to be a part of your support. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. We'll take a 10-minute uh, recess. That's all you've been doing. No, no, I'm
All right, good evening. Uh, we'll continue our business tonight for the Planning and Zoning Commission meeting for February 20th. Um, the time is now 7.23. Um, we were on agenda, <clears throat> agenda item number six, recess and executive session. We have no items to recess into, so we'll move on to the next item. And that is the approval of minutes from our February 6, 2023 Planning and Zoning Commission meeting. Uh, commissioners, please take a minute, review those minutes, and if there's any comments or concerns, please bring them forward. If not, we'll entertain a motion. Second. All right, we have a motion approved by Commissioner Grohl and a second by Commissioner Goodwin. So we'll go to the vote. And the motion carries 510. 501. 502, excuse me. Excuse me. All right. <laughs> Next item on the agenda is citizen comments. Um, citizens wishing to address the commission on non-public hearing agenda items and items not on the agenda may do so at this time. Once the business portion of the meeting begins, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. Uh, all comments are limited to five minutes. And in order to be recognized during citizen comments or during a public hearing, please complete a blue appearance card located at the entry of the chambers and present it to the planning secretary. I have no cards for general citizen comments, so we'll move to the next item. Uh, next item is public hearings. We have a few here tonight. Uh, we'll start with 23-5209, SD number 22-061, a public hearing on a replat to create lots 2R and 3, block 2, English Park addition to 12.8500 acres, generally located at 2200 North US 287 and 1805 FM 157. Kimley Horn & Associates, Incorporated, Engineer Surveyor, Centerpoint Integrated Solutions, LLC Developer, the Rackison Group, LLC, Rush Creek Baptist Church, and Jay Spring Realty Owners. I'll turn it to staff for presentation. All right, Commissioner, staff does not have a presentation for this plat. Uh, as we typically do not present on our plats, um, but we are available for questions. The purpose of this plat is to create two commercial lots. Um, those two lots will have a, uh, give me one second, um, will include the creation of a large lot 2R. Uh, that is a 340, roughly 347,000 square foot lot. Um, and the remaining portions of the lot will remain uh, as part of the existing church property. Um, there is a digital copy of the plat on, uh, within our docket, so if there are any questions on that, I'm here to answer, but this does meet all of the um, requirements of the subdivision control ordinance. All right, thank you, Artie. And the staff recommends approval. <laughs> thank you. All right, with that, we will open the public hearing at 727. I have no cards on this agenda item for this evening. So we will close the public hearing at 727 and open it to commissioner comments.
If there are no comments, we'll yes. All right. The motion to approve by Commissioner Goodwin. Second. A second by Commissioner Grohl. We'll go to a vote. And the motion carries five zero two. Uh, next item on the agenda is twenty three dash five two one zero. SD number 22-058, a public hearing on our final plat to create lots one and six. Block one, Mansfield Retail Center Edition on 29.153 acres, located at 1660 East Broad Street, Westwood Professional Services Incorporated, engineer surveyor, and HEB LP owner. And now we'll turn it to staff for presentation. All right, commissioners. Um, the best way for me to describe this plat is that we are creating a, um, a large lot and some remaining parcels will remain for the HEB Center, uh, for the Mansfield Retail Center as, as known on this plat. Uh, there is some right-of-way dedication. Uh, that's why we do have a public hearing anytime there's a right-of-way dedicate or anyway, anytime there's right-of-way dedication or the need for uh, utilities to be extended. Um, will usually come into a public hearing. So there is some right-of-way dedication for uh, dedicated turns along East Broad Street uh, going into or onto Mitchell Road and as well as uh, increasing the width of Mitchell there. Um, other than that, the uh, development will be accessed via common access easements. Uh, there are some common access easements that will need to uh, have the recording information for an earlier plat that we did of the same name for retail at the hard corner of uh, 287 and broad. Uh, but aside from that, this does meet all of the requirements of the subdivision control ordinance uh, and conforms with the approved development plan on this site. Uh, staff does recommend approval. All right, thank you, Artie. With that, we will uh, open the public hearing at 7.30. I have one card for the record from Dr. Benita Reed, uh, non-speaker in support. And that is the only card I have. So we will close the public hearing at 7.30 and open it to commissioner comments. Just a quick question for staff. Um, if this gets approved, does any aspect of this plat need to come back before planning and zoning before they proceed with uh, construction? Uh, no, and as a matter of fact, this, this plat helps relieve some of the requirements in order for those permits to be approved that are currently under review. Any other commissioner comments? Uh, if not, we'll entertain a motion. Move to approve. Got a motion to approve second. by Vice Chairman Maynard and a second by Commissioner Thompson. Go to a vote. And the motion carries 502. The next item on the agenda is 23-5208, SUP number 22-006, a request for a specific use permit for apartments in the Reserve PD Plan Development District, Central Sub-District, on approximately 9.292 acres, being a track of land the Richard Bratton Survey 
abstract number 114, City of Mansfield in Tarrant County, Texas, located at 151 North Miller, north and west of the intersection of Heritage Parkway and North Miller Road. Back to you, Artie. Change location. Um, commissioners, thank you for allowing us to speak on this case today. This is a specific use permit, uh, as was stated, for apartments. Uh, we'll get into a couple of the details on why specific use permits come into uh, the Planning and Zoning Commission for uh, apartments within the reserve PD, but that is a requirement within this PD. Jen, do we have this working? Do we have the little thing there? All right, as we're waiting to get the, the presenter working, um, commissioners, as you can see here from the site, uh, and as we get into the aerial view, I'll point out a couple of things for the commission. As you can see here, here's the large hospital campus. It's along Broad Street. Uh, you do have other medical facilities uh, that are owned by Texas Health Resources. Uh, that is a, um, a service center there. You do have the Texas Women's Center. Um, many of you may know there is a, uh, another medical facility being built right here. It's a clear, clear sky uh, rehabilitation center that's right off of 360. You can see that construction going on today. Uh, all of that to say, uh, even though the aerial doesn't show a lot of the um, newer development that has occurred in this area, uh, this area does have a, a large employment center near it, as well as retail just to the north. If we're looking at the current zoning for this site, uh, you can see that most of this site and most of this area is zone uh, PD. Uh, the PD is the reserve PD. Uh, which is, again, most of the area east of 287 between Broad and Heritage is zoned with this same PD. Various uh, sub-districts are uh, created within that area. You can see some of the area also has uh, freeway overlay as it is more adjacent to 360. Um, but adjacent to this property, the only other zoning that you have in place is uh, currently the 2F there uh, that you see on North Miller. Uh, we always like to, to provide a look at the site today. Uh, this is a site from across the, tr the street from, a, from the church, uh, looking back in a southwesterly um, fashion. Uh, so we have to bring specific use permits to the commission because um, although it's an allowed use, it's an allowed use only with a specific use permit. Uh, that allows for staff and the city uh, to require special considerations in certain settings and to ensure that there's compatibility with surrounding land uses. Um, and so we'll walk through this site plan to, to show some of those things that we believe uh, this site is doing to uh, not only adhere to the uh, design standards within the reserve, but also provide uh, other things that maybe we haven't seen in, in other projects that have come to the commission. Uh, so looking at the site plan, uh, we're looking at a site plan where North Miller is on the east side or on the plan right side of this uh, image that you are seeing. Uh, to the plan north side, uh, you'll see a drive there. That is a future 
uh, right-of-way that will be Cannon Drive as it extends uh, from this location to the east towards the north uh, and intersect with Broad Street uh, there just on the uh, west side of Kroger. And just to, to point that out just a little bit more for um, the commission, you can see as this aerial would take you, uh, you would end up at Broad Street, again, just west of the Kroger if you continued on uh, with Cannon Drive here. Uh, so that Cannon Drive would extend along that planned north view that we were just looking at. Uh, there are two other uh, access ways, uh, two access roadways along the western and southern edge there. Uh, but for the most part, this is a uh, three and four story structure. There's more four story structure uh, to the western side of this development. Uh, you get towards a three story structure as you get closer to Miller Street. And we'll look through some elevations that show us that. Uh, but this is 295 units on approximately 9.292 acres. Um, and I've already described Future Cannon Road which in this case here is shown as a 70-foot right-of-way uh, that does have allowances for on-street parking, uh, bulb outs, uh, sidewalks, streetscaping, street trees, and those types of uh, urban street amenities. Uh, it's a lot easier when you look at the landscape plan to see uh, what's being done here on this site, uh, but you can see a lot of those things that we were just talking about. Uh, if you'll notice, looking at the landscape plan and looking at North Miller, that is a treatment that is required along North Miller to have a double row of trees. Um, and this occurs on many of the major roadways that go north-south throughout the PD. Uh, so the PD identifies North Miller as having one of those roadways with a double-lined row of trees. But some of the things that I want to make sure that we discuss while we're looking at this site plan is sort of the evolution of this site plan and things that uh, I think we've worked really well with the developer in making sure uh, this development plan uh, addresses some of the concerns uh, that we've heard from multiple parties in the past. Uh, and those include the location of the parking, right? We have all of the location of the parking at the rear or on the sides of buildings uh, so that you can almost not see that parking. You can see that the uh, development plan does show uh, even in areas where you have parking uh, that comes closer to the street, you have these areas that are landscaped to sort of detract from that. We'll also get into an image here uh, later on that starts showing those things that we've talked about on other projects where, we, where you start creating um, view corridors that go through the site. So not only are you, you utilizing the roadways around the site to get people um, through this area, you're also allowing these corridors to sort of create this visual interest as you peek through buildings uh, going down the street. Uh, and you can see uh, things like their clubhouse, their amenity center. Again, that same treatment happens when you're going you know, uh, east to west and looking north through the site. So that does a couple of things, right? For a pedestrian, anytime you create a visually interesting piece of property, uh, one that is tree-lined, uh, when you create uh, safety because those trees help the pedestrian feel like they're separated from the roadway. Uh, you also, uh, by creating these view corridors, you uh, keep the pedestrian in an interesting environment, right? So they're walking through a place that they want to be in. And so, so those are some of the things that we've worked with as we, we've, uh, you know, met with this development team uh, throughout their plan, but I'll let them get through some of these details as they go through uh, their presentation. Um, 
one of the things that I want to point out and, and I think helps illustrate sort of how this fits into a bigger picture of development, right? If you think about this development, you should really think about it as four quadrants of development, right? You ultimately have development that sort of sits on this uh, hard corner of, of access ways, of roadways that, that bisect this property. So when you look at the overall site plan and when you start looking at the elevations, uh, you can see why there are certain sections of the buildings that we have as four stories. And those are the four story structures that uh, would hopefully be closer to um, more office, retail, commercial uses across the street. Uh, therefore, you know, providing again good access to, to this development. So here at the corner um, of these two future drives, you can see that there's sort of a plaza-like entry. Uh, the entry feels more commercial as there's more glass as you're down at the bottom level. Um, and, and again, it starts framing those four corners that hopefully can, can, as future development comes in, can ultimately be all developed. Uh, looking at the elevations here, you can see that there are uh, different materials that are being used from different types of masonry, uh, whether that be cementitious board, uh, brick, or in some instances, metal access points, glass, uh, those types of things that break up the building's mass as a whole. Um, I spent a little bit of time going through specific elevations to sort of give the commission a feel of what the building would look like from, from different areas. Uh, so if you look at the image on the, on the top, so the one that says building four, uh, that's this arrow right here looking down uh, into that section of the development. Uh, one of the things that staff worked with the development team on is as you looked from Miller, creating this section of the building that starts to outline these individual units that almost become brownstone-like. So there's also an elevation change there. Uh, so you can see that there are stoops leading up to the, to the doorways of that development or of those units. And specifically, um, although these are not brownstones, uh, being built in that typology uh, does create that street activity of letting those first floor units have access to uh, the streets right, right outside their door. Uh, so I did the same thing on this page. If you look, the image that's shown for building three north elevation is this elevation here. Uh, and then the one for building five is this elevation here. And again, that's looking up from any development that is uh, on the southern side of this development. We talked a little bit about those view corridors and how the view corridors look into the amenity area. This is sort of what you get that peak of as you're, you're passing as a pedestrian throughout this site. Uh, again, allowing those view sheds to, to be created there. Um, so this would be almost as if you're looking this way. Um, through the development, so your interior to the development, looking out of this, this corridor peak there uh, on the western side of the development. In summation, uh, the 2012 land use plan specifically identifies this area as sub-area seven and states this area is to accommodate a range of compatible land uses, including mixing employment opportunities with housing, retail, and service uses. I think we've talked a little bit about that looking at the adjacent hospitals, the adjacent uh, retail centers that are within the, or just within this uh, specific area. 
Uh, and the performance standards for the reserve PD specifically are crafted to emphasize control over scale, urban form of each building, uh, and that includes the building setback. As we looked at this site, you could see that all of the buildings uh, were brought close to the, the public ways, uh, as well as the relationships to the buildings of sorry, of the buildings to the street, street landscaping, and other characteristics. With that, and I don't want to uh, make the commission feel that we're adding a lot of conditions here uh, because a lot of these things are shown on the site plan, so I'm going to go through those uh, here step by step. So first, staff recommends approval with the following conditions, and that is that the future extension of can and drive, uh, and just to truncate this sum, uh, not be a public right-of-way wider than 70 feet. And that's important to the city because uh, we think in keeping that street within that 70-foot uh, dimension, it allows for the things that we've already talked about, the on-street parking, it allows for the traffic to move throughout this area, it also provides pedestrians uh, certain uh, amenities, uh, but that 70 feet is already indicated on the site plan. But one of the reasons why staff is putting this as a condition is just so as this project and as this development progresses, we keep in mind uh, that the current dimensions of the right-of-way provide for a couple of things. One, that provides for the development opportunity for the developer to uh, provide the pro type of project they're doing any wider of a street uh, may encroach into the development's ability to uh, perform the way that the development team needs to uh, have it perform. Uh, as well as the two rights of way on the west side and the south side of this development, making sure that those do not exceed 60 feet as well. Again, by keeping tighter urban style streets in this area, we believe that that uh, enhances this environment and again, we're just adding these as conditions or showing these as conditions so that we make sure that as this discussion and this dialogue continue, uh, that the items that are already within the site plan uh, are, are met with the types of comments that these are things that have already been um, reviewed. Uh, with that said, the last thing that we just want to make sure, and I, I, don't, I don't know that we've, we've received clarification, and it's not a, a mark on the development team, it's just something that we haven't uh, we hadn't thought about until recently, and we want to make sure it's, it's something that we're thinking about as we have people have uh, ground floor entrances, and that is that those ground floor entrances are actually going to be used, right? Sometimes people put these doorways into bedrooms that are going to sort of always stay locked. Um, we want to make sure that we're working with the development team to provide those opportunities to have actual, um, you know, whether they be secondary front doors or primary front doors, have those be uh, doors that are accessed uh, in order to get in and out of the units. And so uh, we're asking that those door yards and stoops that are provided on the ground floor entrances provide an entry directly into a living space. That could be a kitchen, a family room, or et cetera. And again, we just want to make sure that we keep that dialogue open with the development team. And with that, I am available for questions. Um, I know we'll go to the development team to see if they have anything to provide, but uh, I'll be available for questions. Thank you. Thank you, Artie. <clears throat> All right, we will open the public hearing at 747. I've got a handful of cards. Let's see here. I have one from Dixon Holman. 
Come on up, sir, and state your name and address for the record. I am uh, Dixon Holman, uh, Holman Group at 4025 Willem Park Boulevard, Arlington, Texas. And I am here, I represent uh, Leon Capital. Uh, they are the developers of this project. I also have with me Mr. Uh, Nash Thomas, a development partner with Leon Capital. So uh, he will uh, speak next. We may we may dance back and forth a little bit if that's all right, just so we can uh, make sure that we answer all of your questions and give you the proper information. Mr. Uh, Wheaton Rodriguez gave a, a, a very good uh, overview of the the project. We've been working with staff for several months. Uh, and had many, many, many meetings to try to bring this project into uh, line with the vision uh, that the uh, uh, not only the policymakers such as yourselves and the uh, uh, city council have, but the citizens' expectations uh, in Mansfield to make it work in the reserve as uh, everybody has anticipated as this area is developed as as we were just talking about or in your presentation uh, a couple of minutes ago and so there's not a lot for me to add one thing i'm going to do though first is jump to those stipulations and tell you that we uh we agree to all of those and our our plan is to to have those units open into something other than a bedroom you know a common space within the unit uh so that uh, uh we have that ability to interact with, uh, with the street, because our hope of, from this project is to make it very much a catalyst for that live, work type of urban atmosphere. That Therefore, we have the, the streets uh, that we've talked about uh, in the presentation that are, are not wide streets that are conducive to, to you know, heavy high-speed traffic. What we want is to be able to encourage uh, folks along with the plannings and the street parking to be able to encourage people to interact with the street. Our proximity to the, the street is, is also such to be able to make that happen. As, as you saw on the facades, Mr. Wheaton Rodriguez has shown you, is that we do recognize to the, uh, uh, not only the necessity of, but the ability to break up the way the project looks a little bit from the street. And so with the three-story townhomes along Miller, the townhome look, they look like brownstones, they're actually the multifamily units, but they give you that look. Uh, we have stoops uh, and we have the, the yards so as to give that feel also of interactivity with what's going on in the street, as well as some we have, uh, and this was something that uh, the staff felt was, was, was important and, and we certainly agree, uh, some reserved future commercial space uh, that is located on one of the interior streets that you see. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll build that out just in a, in a uh, shelled out way so that uh, we'll make it look good from the street, you know, so that it looks good when people are outside, but then eventually it'll have that commercial use. Uh, the club uh, house with the pool and the landscaping, there's, there's a significant grade change on this site as well. And so not only do you get those through line site views from uh, all sides that you see from the street to sort of engage that public uh, view uh, into the interior so that it's not just walled off from, from uh, those who are outside. You also, it will benefit from the grade change inside as things step up and you'll see that as well uh, from the street. 
And so uh, one thing I did want to add is as the, the last iteration of that change and it's been supplied to, uh, to the city, it did affect the unit count that went up from 295 to 308. And that's because that we went the four story adjustment on, on one of the buildings, am I correct? And so that goes from the 31 point, whatever we were to 33 even units per acre. So it still falls within uh, all the guidelines we talked about. And, and that was done to accomplish the, one of the requests that we had received from uh, the staff that would allow us to go four story uh, all the way around on one portion of the building. So uh, anyway, that, that is the, the, the basic presentation. There's not a lot for me to add. I don't wanna be redundant and just say the same things Mr. Wheaton Rodriguez said. So uh, with that, if you don't have any specific questions for me right now, I would ask uh, Mr. Thomas to come up. He may be able to uh, uh, add a few things that I have not mentioned that might answer your questions in anticipation of those. And if not, we're certainly here to answer whatever we need to. Thank you, sir. Yeah, with that, Mr. Thomas, you can come on up. Hi, good evening, Commission. Uh, my name is Nash Thomas. I'm the developer. Um, Artie and Dixon have done a fine job today laying out mostly everything that we have. Uh, a note again on the stipulations, we've designed to the right-of-ways and access easements that are in place. So regardless of how those shifts, those street yards, the only thing could happen if for example, on the south road, if it shrank, the street yard would simply expand so this public sphere and the walkability would improve, but the site plan is fixed, right? So you're not gonna see any changes despite what negotiations we may have to go through to get these roads dialed in down the line. Um, as Dixon noted, we have a future commercial space that we've reserved, it's about 2,000 square feet. It is two stories, it opens up into two stories, it's a large space. We don't have any plans for today as that's probably 24 months to now, but again, a nice way to catalyze commercial development in this area, and that's really the featured corner. So uh, we're pleased to have that put in place. Um, aside from that, no nothing else to add. Like Dixon said, it is 16 feet from the northeast corner to the southwest. That topography, that's why building three is separated from building two to allow the constructability, but it's really gonna give you nice varied stoop fields across the site. So again, it just is more than just an apartment complex. That when you have these varied stoops, you get the feeling of single family residences, right? Built over time, accommodating di different lot layouts. So it's, it's something that the site's yielded that I think has been a fun thing to work with. Uh, that's really all I have to add for now. But again, any questions, I'll, I'll hang around for you all. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you up, Mr. Thomas, okay. if we have any Thank questions. You. Appreciate it. All right, I have two other cards, both non-speaker, uh, Perry Weber and Lawrence Yen. And those are the, all the cards I have for this case. Any other folks wish to come up and speak? All right, we will close the public hearing at 7.54 and open it to commissioner comments. Yes, quick quick question for staff. Um, I don't know if this was the first time you heard the increase in the unit count already, but if it was, are there any concerns from staff in regards to that? So, um, and I apologize if I didn't um, specifically have knowledge of the uh, unit count, but I do know that there have been negotiations to create a four-story structure, or sorry, four-story units along that western edge 
uh, and that may have been part of the discussion that went through there. I was just now looking through the site plan, making sure I hadn't missed something. Again, it might just be a, a typo on there. Uh, so to answer your question directly, it is the first time that I had heard about the unit count. I don't think that staff has a change in their recommendation because as it was stated, uh, it's pretty negligible from a, a units per acre uh, standpoint within uh, uh, not only this area, but within this development to, uh, altogether. Okay. And uh, secondly, do you have any idea in regards to the Cannon Drive build-out expansion from a timeline perspective? Do we know what that looks like? Um, I, are you talking about the area that goes towards the east? Yeah. Um, I know that as we have talked about this project, we have continually talked about that street being built uh, more in a near term than a far in a long term. So uh, it may be something that we get into during our SIAC discussion that's right after this uh, meeting. Uh, but yes, as staff has always discussed this project, uh, we've always discussed that as being a near term project and not a, a okay. long term. And did I hear the applicant say 24 months out on the bill? Excuse me. No, it's it's roughly a 36-month construction timeline starting up at the leasing office and then working counterclockwise around. So from the time we start, roughly 24 months to get there, yes. Okay. You have an idea on when you're going to start once you get the approval? Well, it, I'd like to be going before July if possible. Okay. All yes, right. Sir. And the reason I ask is obviously uh, one of my concerns, and I, I realize that a lot of things have been approved and the reserve has already been approved in advance as far as what can and cannot be built in the area. But I certainly do have a concern as far as the amount of additional traffic dumping out on Broad Street. Um, we have significant challenges, and I know this is not a traffic conversation, Artie, we always seem to get into it, but um, it is a concern as far as 295, 300 units, two cars per unit. Uh, we're struggling now on East Broad Street significantly, and that is a concern for me as far as what that's gonna look like especially when you talk about the timeline between the future development of, of Canon as well. I was just going to add an observation, it's all right, that, that ties into exactly what you just talked about, Mr. Commissioner, is that, uh, and this is totally anecdotal because I don't have anything in front of me, uh, but it's my understanding that there has been some discussion, city council from the standpoint of design of Canon, and then, you know, getting in now, and I know you're, you're about to get into all this discussion here uh, shortly this evening, uh, about the, the layout of that, that program, uh, as far as the bond program and all, and how that works out. We have another project that we'll be bringing to you that's a little different than this, that's also located on Canon up to the north. And we believe there are also some things there that, that will help expedite what can happen with Canon over time. We're going to have to get into some discussion that may be TERS oriented and some other things. But uh, we certainly understand that we'll have, we'll have projects at both, end, uh, both ends of, of Canon. So Canon's, Canon's a big player for us. Yeah. And we would, we would like to see the same thing. And I know the folks in Rustic Meadow would and, and others be able to see that you know, work its way on up to, uh, to Kroger and, and allevi alleviate that direct mm -hmm. one shot up to Broad. So yeah. we're, we're certainly, we're going to continue to work that. In fact, we had a discussion right before we walked in here this evening when you were in the, the uh, work session uh, about that. And, and, you know, after tonight, we, we want to go ahead and initiate some of that uh, because our case isn't 
subject to that, but we think it works hand in glove. So that just if, if that gives you a little okay. bit of an idea where, where our minds are. Can you share anything um, about the commercial piece and timeline? What the, Do you have any plans already, what that's going to look like? How is that going to coincide with what you're doing with the residential? No, I mean, it, it really used to be lease space. It was originally going to be uh, uh, additional units. And then based upon our discussion back and forth, we talked about commercial aspect. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, there was a coffee shop discussion at one time and some of the, 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 the com common workspace that we're going to have, co-working space. Uh, but then that sort of morphed into, based on our, our many discussions with staff, that maybe some dedicated, true, you know, commercial space that would be available to the public, you know, business community. Uh, so that was kind of the 24, the 24 months, I think, that Mr. Thomas was referring to would be from the time we start construction as we work around in that actual construction, we would get to that space and that space would be completed at that point, right? That's also just a reference to it's so far out it's difficult to have. Yeah, so we don't have, we don't have the tenant because of the timeline. I mean, we're talking two years, but but we're going to actively pursue that because we think it adds to, for lack of a better description, the vibe of, uh, of everything we're trying to create. And again, we've got this ability, you know, as you, you see on, uh, I guess we're going to call that the southwest corner, right? Where that cutout is, we think that gives you a little bit of an impact uh, visually that will drive some other things at that intersection on the other three corners. And so we think that that future commercial is strategically placed right there will be, or having been strategically placed right there will help to incentivize that and it will have interest. But we don't have anybody specific right now. Long-winded answer to your short question, but. I appreciate it, thank you so much. So Artie, no, no thoughts from staff in regards to working that piece together to ensure that we get some commercial in there before this is all built out. Um, and, and I apologize. Are you talking about specifically the area that they've already identified within their site? Um, no, I think if, that's, if that area is uh, built to commercial standards for commercial occupancy, um, you know, it, it would have to be built to some uh, mercantile style uh, building code as opposed to uh, the residential, the commercial residential portion that the multifamily would. So I think that that area would already be uh, provided. And I think as we've had some of these live work discussions in the past, right, building that area is, becomes one of the more important things for us to work on. Mm -hmm. I think as staff and I think as, as we look at uh, the future of the remaining three quadrants, we need to be very cognizant of how much uh, commercial is being brought in to, to help this area as well. And I think that those are the discussions that are, are going to be important for us and be at the forefront of our thought as we move towards those other quadrants, right? Um, because I think we want to make sure that that we're looking at these areas, not just as this one development, but looking at this, how this, these four quadrants of, of that, that site uh, work. And I think that's one of the reasons why I spent a little time talking about that. I think that's a, uh, one of the reasons why I wanna make sure that we're having this discussion about making sure that there's, there's future thought of, of how the area develops. I do wanna go back to one thing real quick, if I can, uh, I know you're, you're speaking about you know, the pressures of going uh, up towards East Broad. I think by 
providing this multifamily uh, closer to Heritage Parkway, you will see Heritage Parkway utilized more as that east-west movement as well. Something that doesn't happen today because uh, most people go to Broad, stop at Broad because they're coming from somewhere north of Broad, uh, and so or east and west and, and trying to traverse the area that way. So I think that you also have the opportunity for this multifamily development. As a matter of fact, sometimes my GPS tells me uh, don't go on Broad, go down to Heritage, uh, and then hit up 360 North. So I think that those are some of the kinds of things that uh, the end user here uh, will will realize as well. Yeah, that certainly would be the desire. Obviously, we know we can't control what direction yeah. people go because they'll all make up their mind <laughs> when they leave the house that morning. But I yes, think sir. it will add some additional pressure there as well, though, as we go forward. But thanks for the response. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, quick question, if you don't mind, Artie. Um, Several months ago, maybe 18 months ago, we had a pretty lengthy discussion about the total number of units, apartment units that could be allowed in the reserve. I don't remember the number offhand, but uh, right after we approved Sydney, there was a subsequent uh, slightly uh, larger apartment complex just south of there. Curious now, are we in a, are we in a concern about the total multi-unit count that we're talking here? So I believe we're actually talking about two different subdistricts, and so each each of the subdistricts within the reserve PD has a unit count total. The Sydney would be within the neighborhood subdistricts. Uh, this is the central subdistrict. Okay. Uh, the only I, I believe the only other multifamily, uh, I'm sorry, the only other residential units are the townhome units uh, that were approved at Broad and Matlock. Very good. Okay. Um, next question for staff is: uh, It looked like from your aerial view that maybe Cannon Drive is going to run all the way through the complex and connect to Matlock. Is, am I reading that right? Uh, yes. That would ultimately be. Um, I will let that discussion be something that we okay. discuss as we discuss the future roadways. Uh, the intent, though, is you know as you look at the master thoroughfare plan, the master thoroughfare plan would have that connection go all the way to Matlock. Uh, it wouldn't occur with this development. It would occur as those other parcels uh, were uh, provided and or if there are discussions during the uh, the, the bond discussion. To, Very good. To, okay. Uh, and then I think we had also previously talked about um, the Sydney apartment was ultimately originally planned was going to pipe out onto Miller Road and Miller Road was going to get some modifications. And we'll talk about that in the next meeting. So my next, my next question is for the developer then, please. Excuse me. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't notice, and I might have overlooked it. But do you know what the what the total um, apartment count, one bedroom, two bedroom, three is? What's that breakdown oh, on that? I do. I, I've got it right here. If you'll give me one second. So it breaks down to 199 one bedrooms, 97 two bedrooms, and 12 three bedrooms. Very good. So, so obviously not really designed for a larger family style. This is a one and two bedroom. Pool yeah, that, predominantly. yeah, we really follow the demographics on that. Very good. Um, last question, J just in general terms, I know you won't be able to price it out exactly, but do we know what the price range would be looking like for a starting range in that uh, vicinity? Oh, oh, it rents. So we, we really place, uh, we price off existing rents today, uh, which is probably the easiest answer I can give you, but I think we're in that roughly 190 Somewhere 190 average was like the average price across the square footage, which reflects kind of what you see in the area. Right. So it, it really is a market-based price. Mark, market-based pricing, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and I presume, I, I think there's normally a, an occupancy study done, apartments across Mansfield. I don't know if you guys, is that, are you privy to what that study says? Are we, where are we at as occupancy rate? Um, I don't read those as much as the two gentlemen behind me does, but um, if you'll give me a minute, I'll give you some answers. 
Actually, I think Jason might have it. Oh. I, I'm just sir. I think an ongoing concern, obviously, is, is saturation of, of multifamily housing. You know, when we look at 360, the frontage road, that south, I mean, we've really kind of capitalized on that as well. So, I think the last study, it was 97%. 97%. Thank you. Okay, that's all my questions, uh, Commissioner Jackson. Uh, I just had a couple of um, questions or observations, really. So going back to the ground floor entries on the units on the ground floor, it, it was proposed and agreed that those would be opening up into a living space? Yes, and th those are actually already included in the plan, so it's agreed to okay. and, and done. Yes, ma'am. Okay, and then um, I was looking at the landscaping plan, so yes. I saw on the sidewalks that the grates were covering over the trees. Um, but And I didn't see in any of the descriptions or writing, what about, since we're trying to work on walkability, and then the hospital is going to be right there as well, what about lighting options? Yep. I, I know we've talked about this issue a lot. Do you want to take it? And then I can jump in. So I don't know if this is. And maybe I missed it. You can, if okay. we're. If we're looking at the street and we're looking at the landscape plan, you can start to see uh, there's one there, there's one there. So they are spaced throughout um, the, the streetscape as you, again, there's some, you can see the dots there. There's a dot with a little bitty um, uh, shadow line that sort of shows that there's a vertical feature there. Okay. So from a lighting standpoint, that's there. Uh, I think one of the things you were talking about with the grates is uh, something that we've been trying to make sure that we do um, provide those amenities that we feel are important. And we feel that to have a sidewalk without a street tree to buffer the pedestrian uh, becomes difficult for us to create the type of environment that we would like to create. So. It's really only in some of the instances on the southern side where you'll see those grates being utilized as actual um, uh, sidewalk crossing areas. Right. So similar to like downtown Fort Worth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are so definitely similar to that to where uh, you still have accommodations to allow a tree to grow. You still have accommodations to allow that sidewalk to be very adjacent to mm -hmm. that street tree. Uh, but that's where those grates are being used. And so I, I was trying to answer two questions I thought you had. No, you did. The yeah. first being about yeah, the yeah. grates and the second being about lighting. Yes. And I like the fact that there's not a main entrance off of Miller. Yeah. Okay. And then if I could add one more thing, just being uh, a little selfish of the trees could be live oaks. We will definitely make sure that we're looking at the species of trees. Um, I think sometimes when you're looking at urban street trees, you need to make sure you're picking the right variety. I don't know those. Our landscape uh, administrator and our landscape architects do, as well as these fine gentlemen's uh, landscape um, architects as well. Thank you. All right. My only comment. Uh, you, you caught the points I was going to catch, except just a general comment. I know you guys hate to hear my general comments, but it is, it is difficult for me to experience an exceptional environment on a five-foot sidewalk. And I think if one of those things we might in 2040 look back on is, gee, we really wish we had wider sidewalks because if people are going to be walking more frequently with carts to their local 
bodegas or whatever, I think those were, were going to have some problems with the old five foot. And I definitely feel that we will continue to look at how to uh, expand those areas where um, appropriate. I think there are two different ways to look at where sidewalks should get larger, right? Sidewalks should definitely be larger when you have commercial uses there uh, because it allows you to then create a furnishing zone, right, that allows for outdoor eateries or those types of things. Uh, and so, yes, as, as the area expands and as the experience expands, I think that those should change, and I think we'll definitely make sure that we're looking at uh, how we uh, implement those sidewalks uh, throughout. Sorry. Vice Chairman Maynard, you're never going to disappoint me when you bring up streets. <laughs> I promise you. I'm here for you. <laughs> Artie, I think all my questions are for you, my friend. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Commissioner Grohl brought up a good point about, you know, the reserve has dedicated specifics in it, and one of, one, one of which is the number of apartment units in every, basically every sub area. What I would recommend to staff when we have more developments come in for these areas is to let us know what that number is so we don't con constantly badger you about, well, what number are we at? You know, if there's 900 units for this area, are we at 899? You know, I know you guys are watching it, but it'd be great to have that information for us so we kind of know where we're sitting. We'll definitely be sure to include those in future staff reports. I appreciate that. Um, and I do agree. I don't think we're near that number for this area because we do have, I think, one other development that's been approved for this sub area. Um, I do agree with all staff recommendations. It's nice to hear the developer also agrees with those recommendations. Um, and then the conversation kind of turned to traffic. Um, I am concerned about the Cannon Drive situation, mainly because we built piece A down to the Sydney, and now we're building piece C. We don't have piece B to connect it all together. And these folks that are you know, we, we just had this conversation earlier tonight about how we connect our community. And this is the type of multifamily development that really starts the pay, that starts the, the process. And as you talked about the quadrants and we have to be selective on how we're going to develop this because we really want this to be a bubble where I can live, work and play. Well, before that can happen, it would be nice to get that connectivity up to where the the commercial development is in Mansfield, and that's along Broad. If I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'm going to go to Market Street from this development. If I'm going to go grab a dessert, I'm going to go to Andy's Custard off Broad. And uh, having, you have the option, other options around here, but really having that Cannon Drive option so that someone could go get their Chick-fil-A would be great. So I'm assuming that the B section that you're talking about is the area to the east. Um, I just had a small discussion with Raymond. That is something we're going to be talking about in our next uh, session on, with SIAC here after this, uh, this meeting. Uh, but I, he did inform me that uh, design is on the near horizon. So we're, we're ready to start making that, those steps to, to make that connection point. Uh, if, if I'm reading you correctly, yes. that section B is that area between the Sydney and this development here. You're reading me right. Okay. And well, yeah, I'm, I'm all for having that discussion when we, when we get into CIAC. That, okay. That's great. Um, 
I like the breakdown on the, on the units. I think you're hitting your target because if I'm working at the hospital this, and I'm a single professional, you know, that seems to be your target right here for this place and a great spot for it. Um, I do echo some concerns that were brought up by Commissioner Thompson about how do I get there? Because the infrastructure really isn't in place for me to walk from here to the hospital. And so that may be something else that the city has to look into, something temporary before the other development really kicks off to, to make that full connection. So it's not only just a vehicular conversation, it's a pedestrian conversation too. Um, I think that was it. 97%, um, wow, for occupancy. That's incredible uh, for multifamily. So, um, but I just, I, I think this is a, like a, a great starting point. This is kind of what we want. We want the, we have the canvas sit in front of me. This is the first stroke on what we're going to do down there in this area. So, so uh, I think it's a great start. So thank you. Uh, make a motion that we approve uh, SGP 22-006 as presented to include um, staff recommendations which have been discussed already. All right, I have a motion to approve with staff recommendations by Commissioner Grohl. Second. I have a second by Commissioner Goodwin. So we'll go to a vote. And the motion carries 5-0-2. Next item on the agenda is 23-5211. Uh, zoning change number 22-014. A change of zoning from single family 1222, single family residential district to PD plan development district for C2 community business district based commercial uses on approximately 16,936 square feet, or approximately 16,936 square feet on 2.9 acres of land in the WC Low Survey, abstract number 970, generally located southeast of the intersection of Grand Meadows Boulevard and North Holland Road on property at 700 North Holland Road. Artie, it's back to you, brother. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was a mouthful of a uh, caption, so I'm not going to repeat it, but this is ZC22014 uh, at 700 North Holland Road. As um, you look at the site here, uh, the site here is outlined in green. Uh, you can see that it is a piece of property just south of uh, Grand Meadows and uh, along North Holland. Um, both of those roadways are uh, listed on our master thoroughfare plan, uh, Holland Road as a, a major arterial and Grand Meadow as a minor. Uh, that's going to be important in some of our discussions as we talk about uh, why staff has, has looked, at this, looked at this site with the development team uh, to recommend uh, what we're recommending on this case. Uh, but as you can see, uh, there is an existing um, and, and actually, I'll, I'll stay here for just a, actually, no, let's go to the next slide. 
I forgot that I actually made sure to include the aerial with this zoning map so that you could sort of see those underlying land uses. Uh, you can see to the north of this site uh, is another commercial development also with a done via PD. Uh, the remaining area is uh, or contains a uh, zoned SF1222 area. So uh, pretty much everything in that lighter tan color is there. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out from a staff standpoint is traversing the site about this way is a gas pipeline uh, that comes through there. Uh, and so the development team actually owns um, this entire rectangle, uh, but it's sort of bisected by this uh, gas pipeline. So as we've discussed this project with them, we've really discussed why we feel um, this request to go to a PD with a commercial base um, is something that we can support from a staff standpoint. So again, I want to take a look at what the site looks like today. You can see that it's a, it's a vacant site here. Uh, you can see the adjacency to that uh, commercial development to the north. Uh, I did state that that commercial development to the north uh, was developed via a PD. Uh, that PD really tried to take out some of the more intense uses. Uh, I think we took a different strategy on this PD to uh, not mimic that one because it can be problematic from an administrative side to just list things that aren't allowed uh, because then things pop up and you're like, well, you know, what about this? And so uh, we took a little bit different strategy with this site and I'll go through that. But so you have the commercial development that's there to the north and you have this vacant piece of property. Um, and specifically, when you're looking at planned developments, uh, you're looking at those areas that are going to create a unified design, uh, uh, in, in this case, of commercial uh, services, uh, and that they are provided and approved uh, with a comprehensive development plan. And what that comprehensive development plan really means is there's a site plan, there's some elevations, there's the design standards. All of those things are present in the PD that we're going to talk about there. Uh, this PD specifically ties the development to exterior finishes, building articulations, and other ar architectural elements and features. Uh, it limits uses to an approved list um, and provides opportunities for neighborhood service-based commercial uses, and it ensures compatibility with surrounding land uses via screening. Uh, we'll talk about all three of those things as we go through the site plan. But looking at the site plan, and it always becomes much more apparent on the landscape plan what's going to be next. Uh, but you can see that the building um, is here, and you have parking that sort of circles the site. Uh, there are these little areas uh, that we'll point out in the landscaping plan um, that create outdoor seating, create passive spaces, all things that are required of the development. Um, but in this case, we're looking at a single-story neighborhood-based commercial development uh, with, 16, 000, with a building that's 16,936 square feet. Uh, there's outdoor seating areas and appropriate parking. 97 parking spaces are provided on this site. Uh, you can see that the building setbacks uh, not only honor the existing uh, setback of the commercial to the north, uh, but there are there is an, an area of about 140 feet separating the property line and the commercial development uh, on Holland Road. 
there is a rear setback of about 95 feet. Uh, that includes that grass strip there, uh, which is landscaped with trees as we, we progress through the site plan. Uh, parking, and again, you can see uh, the gas pipeline starting there in the rear of the property. When you're looking at the site plan, um, and uh, the site plan uh, reads as different materials here than, than what you can see on the computer screen when, when I was looking at them. Uh, but you have a stone and masonry uh, building. Uh, some of the things that are important as staff will start describing this, this uh, elevation is, uh, you have a good delineation of uh, where the, the occupied space ends and sort of awnings break up those areas above it, again, creating visual interest uh, just past what the pedestrian sees as they're walking by or what, what anybody who is visiting this uh, development sees. Uh, you can see that there are cornice caps on top of all of the buildings here. Um, there are parapets that screen the rooftop equipment, all things that are required by the PD, all things that are required uh, via the city's zoning, or, uh, zoning ordinance. Um, Another thing that the commission may not be aware of is uh, our current C2 base zoning, so this is what this, this PD uses as a base, requires four-sided architecture. And I think that this development does a good job of showing what four-sided architecture means in our, in our eyes, and that is those elements that you have on the front, so the image on the top is the, the, the front of the development, what faces Holland. Uh, those images, uh, sorry, those items that you have on the front must be repeated at the rear. Uh, so you can see that there's those same parapets are being utilized, those same cornice pieces are being utilized. There's even windows in the back. Uh, whether those be faux windows or real windows, they're still creating uh, visual interest there. Um, looking at the landscape plan, you can really start to see how this site starts to develop. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, how there are some accommodations uh, for uh, compatibility with the surrounding areas by creating screening walls. Uh, where I've outlined the property line in blue, uh, screening wall will be provided in those areas, but not just screening wall. You can see that there are also trees provided along that entire edge. Um, the parking areas uh, have uh, shrub lines um, that are you can see them in these general areas uh, that shield that parking uh, from the right-of-way. Uh, so you do have uh, those areas screened. Again, all of those things helping uh, make the area compatible with, with the area. Uh, we talked a little bit about passive space. And passive space are these, these dedicated outdoor spaces that sort of uh, allow for flexibility within the site. Not only do you have this, this area right as you come off of the entrance, uh, that is dedicated towards passive space, but they have outdoor seating, um, let alone all of the, the landscaping that they left up at the front. Again, you can see that there are trees lining the front area, uh, trees here, the shrubs we just talked about. So again, making sure that there is a, a good combination of, of uh, green space and new development on this site. Um, let's see. Uh, the 2012 official land use plan identifies this as sub-area six and states that this area is generally built out and does, not, and does recommend some limited retail and service uses. It specifically then gets into the point that uh, as those areas develop out, they should be developed out to provide 
uh, neighborhood scaled commercial near the intersection of, or sorry, this development here provides neighborhood scaled commercial near uh, the intersection of two arterials. Uh, and that provides opportunities for residential uses to uh, exist to the east uh, on the gas pipeline side of the development, um, or sorry, on the opposite side of the gas pipeline into the south uh, without being impacted by this development. I missed going over the allowed uses, but you can see there on the right-hand side, uh, those are the allowed uses that we've, we've placed within this PD. Uh, it's much more readable in your uh, staff report uh, than on this slide, uh, but it allows things like apparel stores, arts and crafts stores, bakeries, but with no drive-throughs, bike shops, uh, coffee shops, but no drive-throughs, and really trying to take away more of the vehicular intense type uses to again be neighborhood scaled commercial. Um, only the uses that are listed in this list would be allowed under this PD. Uh, so those are all um, land uses that, that staff felt uh, met that neighborhood, res or neighborhood commercial criteria that uh, the land use plan discussed. Uh, with that, uh, staff does recommend approval, and we're here for any questions. Thank you, Artie. We will open the public hearing at 828. I have no cards on this case, so we will close the public hearing at oh, 8. Oh, we do have cards. Oh, oh, we have a card. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you uh, actually have two cards. Uh, my name is Audra Buckley. Uh, I'm the representative on this, kind of helped them through some of the zoning issues. I reside at 2203 Yorkstown Drive in East Texas. Uh, with me is the developer himself. So if you have any questions, but this is something we wanted to do that was more on a neighborhood scale because of where it is. This is not gonna be something that's gonna have uses that's gonna generate destination type traffic. So we really wanted to present something that the neighborhood could like. Uh, you'll like the fact that we have eight-foot sidewalks, and you'll also like the fact that uh, we already had a median opening that we just aligned with, so we didn't have to make the cut there in the middle of Holland Road. It was already there for us to take advantage of. So basically, we're just asking you to extend the commercial just a little bit further and, and let us build one here, and if you have any questions, I'll be available. All right, and the final card I have is non-speaker support, Raju. I cannot pronounce your last name, sir. Raja Kanzala. Raja Kanzala. All right, he's a non-speaker in support. And he's with the applicant. No more cards here, so we will close the public hearing at 8.30 and open it to commissioner comments. Just a quick question regarding the commercial that is um, what, north of here. Um, was there any consideration into trying to tie maybe walkable between the two? So it does provide the sidewalk connection that finishes off what was already done to the north. Uh, I will let you know that staff asked multiple times about that connection. I know the development team tried to work with that um, developer to allow not only a pedestrian connection, but a driveway connection connecting the two. 
uh, and I'll let the development team discuss any of those negotiations or discussions that they had, uh, but it's my understanding that it was a non-responsive um, matter. Uh, and so uh, as the development rep stated, uh, making sure that uh, we, if we're creating new driveways in this area, that they lined up with the existing median opening there on Holland uh, was important, and I'm going to go back to the uh, aerial so that we can see that. So you can see where that existing median opening is, is the area that they created their, mm. um, their access point, uh, but, you know, whether it be for fire access or whether it be for other cross access, uh, yes, it was discussed. And, and uh, again, I'll let the development team discuss those if you uh, have any more questions about that. No, if they've already tried it, I won't ask them any questions <laughs> about it. I think it would have been de definitely great, not only from a walkable standpoint, but vehicle as well as relieving some of the pressure of the, only the one only entrance in and out uh, to get to this particular piece of property. I do have a question for the developer, though, in regards to uh, the, the retailers or the commercial locations that you're looking at. I know that there is a list of only certain types that you can have in there. Do you have any leads so far on what you're perceiving could possibly be in this particular development? The, the developer who is going to be uh, putting tenants in here has a shopping center, I believe, at Sublets. I'm trying to remember what the cross, what's the, is it Silo? Silo and Sublet. Uh, normally what he does is he works with just smaller folks. We don't have any letters of intent yet because we don't have our zoning yet. Mm -hmm. So, but usually what, the ones that he reaches out to are things like neighborhood markets, uh, bakeries, coffee shops. You know, he'll want a, uh, some kind of a restaurant anchor here. So that's usually what he, he looks for. Thank you. Yeah. Uh Quick question. It's an interesting use of the property. Uh, I live I live back there, um, and for years that vacant spot's been a future home for somebody's church. I believe is kind of what it's been most recently. I, I think I think what you put in there is makes the difference, all the difference. I mean, you you think about the feeder neighborhoods that really could do good business with this, or even the sports complex. You know, where people are able to flow out from there. Um, and I, I too was curious, you know, if this is a, if you build it, they will come or is there really kind of some, some ideas already in mind so that this thing is able to flourish? My, my concern is, you know, the way the traffic flows through there, um, if it's, if it's the wrong business, it just doesn't work. And so just only offering that up, I'm sure you guys know the business side of it, but <clears throat> from a neighborhood perspective, this is just so weird with that, uh, Meadows Glen on one side and, and Waterford on the other side and, the school zone, uh, not too far from there. Just, it's going to be an interesting business proposition forever. You decide to fill that, I think. So, uh, thank you. I'll just, I just have a comment. I think that <clears throat> the only concern I foresee is um, yes, the sports complex is right there. So. Uh, and I have kids that play lots of sports. So um, on the weekends or on the weeknights, like if someone wants to go, that could be a congestion point if that's the only way in and out. Uh, so that would be the only concern that I, I would really foresee. But I do like the fact that there's um, green space, and I think um, it would benefit you all to research all the people that come out there because restaurants would probably be a good spot for them. Okay. 
I have no comments. Um, I don't think I really have any concerns with what you're proposing here. I do have some questions about the leftover property, though, and what happens with it. Uh, to the one, one to the south and the, the other side? The, I guess the We're leaving the, that residential. The east, is, is that enough space to, will that carry the single family 1222 continue to? So the development team has shown us a very preliminary sort of look at those sites, but yes, um, 1222 means that you have a, a 2200 um, square foot lot uh, that could uh, be met within that area. Huh? 12,000 square foot <laughs> lot. Sorry, 2200 square foot home. Sorry. Sorry, 12,000 square foot lot. It's been a long day, hasn't it? <laughs> <sighs> okay, that, that that was really my only comment on this okay. and and uh, just some concern there if there was enough room to, if it was staying the same and what that would look like in the future, if there was any idea what that looked like. So thank you very much. Move to approve. All right, we have a motion to approve by Vice Chairman Maynard. Second. And a second by Commissioner Thompson. We'll go to a vote. Motion carries 502. All right, next item of business is summary of city council actions. Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I actually had to look up the city council agenda from the last meeting, we only had one item on there, believe it or not, and that was for the request to rezone approximately 1.46 acres to the D downtown district. That was approved by city council on the first hearing and reading, six to zero. It will come back before them for a second hearing and reading on the 27th. And I'll pause to answer any questions you might have. Yeah, just a quick question. I apologize for dragging this out, but conceptually, um, <clears throat> did they like the idea? And, and, and if so, does this create a precedent for future opportunities for what you're, you're trying to do downtown? So I think generally the idea was well-liked. There were some neighbors who expressed some concerns about parking and about the manor homes and the owner versus rental occupancy. But I know, again, that comes with just educating and forming the community more on the variety of housing options, much like we discussed a little bit earlier this evening in the work session. Thank you very much. Next item is commission announcements, and I will start to my right this evening. Commissioner Thompson. <laughs> Don't put that in the official record minutes, please. Well, I don't Thank have you. any. Spelling's important. <laughs> I will not be here at the next meeting. I'll be in Cancun. Um, planned you know, 24 months in advance, so I'll apologize, but not too much. <laughs> Uh, I would just like to invite all of you out to our historical um, black play this coming Wednesday at Bethlehem Baptist Church at 7 p.m. 
would love to see you all come out and experience that. It's going to be great. The young adults are putting it on, and they're very excited about it. So if you can make it out, stop by and check it out. Commissioner Gold. All right. Um, I went on a retreat this weekend, and uh, it was very impactful. And I will just end it with saying this as it stuck with me ever since I've left, and that is be the best version of yourself every day. All right, uh, staff announcements. <laughs> Wait, we've already had staff announcements. Let's move on. Oh. That's probably what Jason's going to get over. In. <laughs> sure you're right, preacher. Sure you're right, preacher. So let's address that first. So the city council will meet on March 6th and March 20th for their regular sessions. Originally, we had contemplated the Planning and Zoning Commission meeting on March 27th. We may want to push that up to March 21st. We'll go ahead and poll the Planning and Zoning Commission members to see if that day and time at 6 p.m. will work. That would be a Tuesday. So that way there's a little bit of distance between the March Planning and Zoning Commission meeting and the one in April. So again, we'll, we'll poll the commission on that particular day, but we will be looking at only one for the month of March as scheduled right now. And the reason for that, there are a couple of pressing development matters that might need to come before the Planning and Zoning Commission. Okay. And thank you all again for coming out this evening and just supporting the efforts of the steering committee for the future land use plan. I think in standing here and reflecting about this evening, that was fantastic. What we experienced with the steering committee and dreaming together about what Mansfield can be in 2040. I do want to invite you all out tomorrow from six until eight. The consultant will be back out to kind of discuss the next chapter, so to speak, of the future land use planning effort that will be held at the library tomorrow. And there will be two presentations, one I believe given at 6.15 and the second one given at 7.15. So again, Planning and Zoning Commission is certainly welcome to come out and to attend. Thank you, Jason. Um, next item of business is adjournment of meeting. So it is 8.42. But don't go anywhere because we're not done yet. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You're going to need a motion. Oh, yes, yes. No, no, I'm just move. I'll entertain a motion to uh, adjourn the meeting. On with the next one. I'm <laughs> Motion to adjourn. I have a motion to adjourn by Vice Chairman Maynard. Second. Second by Commissioner Goodwin. We'll go to a vote. You weren't fast enough.
There's five zero two, and now we're adjourned. But not, we're not done yet. <laughs>
semiannual impact fee report from July 1, 2022 to December 31 of 2022. So I'm sure you want me to skip past the water and wastewater and get to the important stuff, but um, that's what I'll start with. So these fees were updated uh, August 12, 2019. Uh, we just kicked off the new water wastewater analysis with Friesen Nichols, so that that is a long process, at least more like 18 months. But we did just begin that contract to update these fees with the new water and wastewater master plan. So I'll just go over a few of the projects on this capital improvement list that uh, attribute to this. Uh, the impact fees. The projects we have right now in design as far as the water, we have a water line, the number one, uh, the 16 inch that connects to 12 inch on Broad Street up to near Main Street Lofts, a line coming from the water treatment plant. And that's still in design. We'll begin uh, easement acquisition soon. And then the project number four, the 16 inch water line along FM 917, that's what you see down there along 917 that will uh, make connection along the uh, M3 ranch development and provide connectivity. And then one project we have right now that's critical in construction is that project number 14 down on the lower right corner is a 30 inch water line uh, that is a, a critical connection to uh, the JC Sud meter station. Um, so we are working on, the Water Utilities Department is working on providing them more flow. Uh, so they are working hard to get that in and, and get them more flow. The wastewater uh, projects that we have going are uh, a combination of number five and nine there in design. That's a, a 12 and 24 inch sewer line in uh, Walnut Creek and then Project number six, that is the, uh, the photo you see at the bottom. That's a tributary to Mountain Creek uh, sewer line that will take out the best made lift station. Uh, that's currently in design. That's a long design project. It won't be under construction for uh, a while, um, but that's a critical project to opening that area up to more growth. Uh, Birdsong and uh, M3, some of those are limited to the number of homes that they can, they can construct without having that sewer line in place. So for the fees collected, um, too bad Commissioner Knight's not here. I was always asked and I always said what goes up will eventually come down. Well, we made it. Um, so what's been happening the last six months has really shown up in building permits and fees. So as you'll see there, uh, the fees are uh, really close to about half of what they've been in the previous six month. Uh, so for the water impact fee, we collected 919.050 and the wastewater, the 399.757. And that, that it definitely uh, went with the building, uh, residential building permits, but also commercial. It's, it's all right in line. So I have this showing you just a good a ballpark of how those equate to each other, both the residential and commercial, and what makes up um, that. And next I'll move on to the roadway impact fees. So this is the uh, map 
and the, all of the service areas and the projects on there. This was updated, excuse me, updated in July of 2015. This has been the council, the, the update's been completed. This has been the city council. It was put on hold uh, for right now with the thoroughfare plan until we can begin this process with the comprehensive plan and have the uh, strategic workshop this next week and wanted to visit this topic at the workshop. So the intent is to come back and have that on an agenda and get that updated uh, soon. And our recommendation is to raise the impact fees and we'll go over that more in detail at the council workshop and then hopefully have that on agenda and revisit that item. So the projects right now that are in progress, the design projects that we have um, happening are the major east-west collector from North Main to 157. That's the, I didn't point to it, but that's the purple line there between business 287 and FM 157, just north of Mauser. That's a four-lane connector road um, between those two TxDOT roadways. And then Daymire Road, franchise utilities are just almost where we can begin construction. So that project has been uh, moved several times, um, but that will, that will move to construction soon. And then the projects that are, are currently in construction, as we've seen, are Holland Road and the sewer lines moving along with that. And we're working out a batch plant location and you'll see paving in the next several months on that after that sewer line is complete. And so the collection of fees uh, reflects the same thing that you just saw in utilities. Um, you can see the numbers there. I'll go over in detail just a little bit about the the makeup of the zones, but the total there of 777,858. Um, so it's it's definitely that they fluctuate more than the utilities, but as you can see, definitely less than half of what it was the last six month period. Um, so this is a little makeup, um, just like I touched on before. Um, we spoke before about differentiating on the. Um, not on the residential between townhomes and apartments. In this particular uh, six-month period, we did not have any townhome projects to really pull that together and because of the drop in the number of permits. So I, I went to do that and there wasn't any permits. So next time I'll have to see if we have that to, to pull that out. But uh, the residential that you see there in zone A um, it was pretty small. We actually had quite a bit of commercial uh, from Zone A, and that was the Mauser uh, Electronics had a large addition that they did, uh, brought in 163000 in addition to the Animal ER on 287 and uh, a shell building on the southwest corner of Mauser Way in 287. So actually had quite a bit of commercial in Zone A this time. And then zone C and D is mostly made up of residential, as you might guess. Uh, C is mostly from M3 Ranch and Somerset. And zone D is mostly from South Point, View at the Reserve, and Mitchell Farms. So just a summary. I might do these in the other order. The one I just talked about, the actual permits you can see there uh, from the zones. And if I compared this to last time, you, you'll definitely see the numbers, how they've, how they've uh, how they've uh, went down. So this is the what we've looked at before, the number of residential building permits. Uh, so you can see the drop there. And uh, I think everyone understands that that, I mean, really in general we did, 
It's kind of surprising, even though with that drop we were up so high. Uh, that's really what it results in. If you look back to the left, most of these fees and the permits were dropping back to around 2018 and 19 levels. So it's not like you turn back the clock, you know, 10 plus years. So uh, we're still up there. So I think that's a significant drop, and we'll see what happens in the next um, several months. Um, definitely, if we raise the fees, then that will that will have a, a big change, at least in the roadway impact fees. And so there is the combination of the summary of both fees. And so I think that um, it's just a good uh, visualization of what we saw. And as you can see there, that's uh, what I was driving at, really pushing, you know, dropping back a couple of years. Um, so I think we've seen a really high growth the last two or three years. And whether that's just a, a correction that needs to, you know, that will eventually turn back around, we'll see. But in, uh, right now, going forward, as far as accounting for roadway impact fees, uh, we're going to be fairly conservative about that for a while till we kind of see that smoothed out. Because obviously, if we planned our capital plan off of what had been happening the last several months, um, well, we certainly would have been remiss to just think they're going to keep going up and up. So. So uh, with that, that concludes my presentation, and I'll be happy to answer any questions or address any that you might have. And uh, I don't know of anyone. I, I can go ahead uh, real quick and address Canon if you'd like me to, what we just talked about. Um, yeah, like I already said, um, I mean, first of all, I'll just be clear, that's not on the, the uh, impact fee plan, but that is on our master plan. So like I've talked about before, we have our master thoroughfare plan, and then a selection of projects are taken from that that are really considered attributable to growth, uh, and those are counted towards the impact fees. So Cannon Drive South is a good example. Uh, you could put that on there, and it, it is a type of roadway that could serve that purpose, but really not the development around there to really point to and say this is what, you know, one particular development is or one particular area is uh, driving that roadway but that is in the TERS number one district so we are beginning design with that and we are funding that that has been to the TERS board and approved by the TERS board and the city council so design has begun with that and we've contracted so that will take uh, most of this year to design but hopefully we would be getting that close to construction uh, near the end of this year. And because it's not a reconstruct, I would anticipate that actual construction would go fairly quickly. Um, so hopefully the timing on that and some of these development projects around there um, would, would work out well. Then we've also spoken with the church there. That has been a hindrance to the actual, at least in their, their terms, a real hindrance to the development of their property. So the church is really happy to see that moving forward um, because they feel like that's been, that's been what's, what's holding that back with the uh, prospective uh, people that they've met with. So I did want to touch on that's, uh, we, we've always had that as a, a 37 or 39 foot roadway uh, and we've always, there's a, always been a plan to have landscaping just like the Sydney with the two rows of trees and like the, uh, uh, 
physical, the, the rehab center there. They have the two rows of trees with the walk. So not only are we going to do that, we're going to, from where it connects at uh, just south of Broad at Conifer, we're going to be, uh, we're going to actually have a two-lane section, and we're going to have six-foot bike lanes on either side. So, in compliance with the 2014 bicycle plan, that's the section we envision, and we're going to talk about that and and bring maybe a cross section back to uh, council at some time. But that goes into part of what we just talked about: how the um, if we want to spend that money in complete streets, uh, dovetails into a more comprehensive vision with some of these uh, higher density developments and planning for those, uh, you know, higher pedestrian and, and bicyclists along those routes. So the plan is to have two 12-foot lanes, six-foot bike lanes, and then a row of trees, and then the sidewalk. Well, we need to talk to planning and, and landscape about what that will look like, but having that walk between the trees and then another row of trees. So there's details about that, but that's the general section that's intended to go from Conifer Street. Uh, and, and I've heard it, we will take it all the way down um, to Miller. And then like already said and showed, that will be the road that transitions across and takes a different section along the frontage of the development that we just saw here tonight. So the idea is, is for along that section for the bikes to actually share the lane because at that point it will be anticipated that traffic, we will have buffers on sides with parking. There will be enough landscape, pedestrian activity that those speeds will slow and it will be completely safe all in the reserve uh, for those bikes to to uh, share the lane with the with the vehicles, and the idea is that they get carried across there and then they disperse. And so, the Cannon will will be the one route where everybody will be confined to that route. And then after they head west into the reserve, the idea is just to get them across and then and then let that happen. So, that's that's how that connects to the development you saw tonight. So, I just thought I'd go ahead and certainly answer any questions about that as well. A uh, quick question about the uh, <clears throat> change in the fees, uh, short of raising the fees, how do you offset the, that reduction in collection of fees? What's, what's the normal approach? Uh, with actually uh, funding it somehow. So uh, we would typically bond it. Uh, we, we, we make up pretty much everything with uh, street bot, we, our street fund, which we bond that. So really you're left with either borrowing more money or building a you know, a, a, you know, drop, either pushing out or dropping a couple of roadways here and there. So it's always a challenge with the condition of the roadway, how long you can push it out, and of, you know, what, how high of importance it is and what the reasons are we're doing it. But if we have critical infrastructure that needs constructed, I mean, those, those fees are good to have, but we, you know, they are just a piece of the puzzle. We have those revenues, we have, we have our bond fund, and we have other funding that takes place. So it's just how that all comes together year to year. Very good. Do you guys receive a portion of the sales tax? Is it funneled to you guys or no? N okay. No, that, that's, that, that, that's not part of the uh, specific to us. Raymond, does the city budget the impact fees? And if so, how is this according to the budget that was established? Well, that's a really good question because I would say we, we, we don't put it in a specific budget, but it is anticipated. 
So over time, and we, we may uh, hone in a little bit more specifics on this as, as we go forward, but we usually have, uh, you know, every year, typically, except it's been exaggerated the last few years, but construction costs typically go up. Uh, we change scope on, on projects here and there. So we have not, we have not tracked it exactly project for project because we coordinate with the finance department and we keep track of that street fund as a whole. So we keep those projects, we, we know the current balance at any time when we meet about once a quarter and we keep that, we know where the balance is and where we're at at that moment. And we, it's kind of like a, a it, it continues to just roll forward and we have that we know about what the impact fees coming in combining with all of these other uh, funding sources that we have but basically it i won't say it's a contingency we know what those how those costs are going to increase every year so what we don't put a pencil to every year is uh, inflation and those kinds of things so as that creeps up a little bit uh, the impact fees help set off some of those unknowns because Understand when we usually spend uh, right now, we're budgeting for on average twelve and a half million dollars over the next five years per year. Twelve and a half million dollars. So, you know, if we raise them, it will certainly be a larger revenue, and and that's why I comment that if it starts becoming a larger portion of our uh, funding, then it would certainly be something to truly account for because that's useful. Uh, when they've been in the neighborhood of, you know, a million dollars a year, it's it's just, you know, it's less than 10% and it's just an extra buffer. Uh, but like I said, if, if they're raised, that, that definitely could change. Certainly interesting economic times, right? I... I uh, sure. I just think it's crazy that, I mean, it's not surprising that things have come down like they have, but the yeah. very core question is how long will it last? Because <laughs> I don't think we've hit our peak. In my personal opinion, I think it can go higher than what we saw in the last, the last report. Um, certainly very concerning, but, uh, you know, Commissioner Grohl brought up a good point about the sales tax, right? The state coffer is... I don't know if you guys know this, but it's like overflowing with money. And here we are facing the headwinds in, in Mansfield uh, and making sure we're being conservative and budgeting to keep up with that pace. And yet, you know, they have their flush with money on the state level and they're having trouble spending it because they can't push out the projects that they need to push out to spend the money. Mm -hmm. um, it would be, you know, pretty awesome if there could be some way to find out or some way that the cities and the state could get some of that money that they do have projects ready to go that really need them. Um, I think I'm just dreaming at this point, but, you know, so, it, it's, it's uh, very concerning to think that how twisted things are right now on several le levels. Um, so, so wasn't the city working towards trying to secure, I don't know if it was funds from the state or where they were coming from, but to do certain projects like the Seton Road Bridge and some other projects in the city? Yes. Yeah, so the project you're speaking about, there is some federal funding, uh, and we are still planning on applying for that. Uh, 
what we found out as typically with any application process and, and um, Chairman Axon probably knows this better than I do, typically when you apply, um, they want, it, there's different standards, but typically sometimes they want a project ready to start construction, what they call shovel ready. Uh, so they either want it, they, they want to know you're committed and that particular project at the deadline for the funding, we didn't even have a concept plan completed yet. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't apply for it that year. And so that's, we, we did fund the money to contract to have a concept plan. And, and that's what we've uh, talked to a consultant about those different options across that. And we just revisited that the other day about having that concept plan done to, to complete that so we could apply for that. Uh, we, we have since uh, got staff where uh, um, that she is focused on helping us, not us, our department, but the city apply for those grants and funding. So we've met with her about several of those. But uh, so we will be moving forward because that's federal funding. That's an even slower process than even the typical state COG uh, county funding. Um, but yes, there's, there's several of those. And the, the other Tarrant County bond program that, that uh, passed a, about a year and a half ago, we do have those three projects on that, the uh, uh, Dick Price, Heritage Parkway, and Daymire. We definitely got some funding for that. And there's more funding out there uh, to be had for that from the county. And we're still uh, talking to the county about some of those discretionary funds and an additional 125 million they have that's still yet to be dispersed amongst the, all the cities in the Metroplex um, for, or for in Tarrant County uh, for different projects. So we applied for like 10 projects, got three, but there's always the hope that we get one or two more. And so we try to kind of plug those in and, and keep those on the radar, but we're still trying for that, that, that other funding. <coughs> If there's no other questions, we'll entertain a motion. Uh, move to approve. All right, we have a motion to approve by Commissioner Grohl. Second. Second by Vice Chairman Maynard. Go to a vote. Carries 502. With that, our final motion is an adjournment meeting and we'll entertain a motion. Move to adjourn. Got a motion second. by Commissioner Roll to adjourn and second by Commissioner Goodwin. And the motion carries 502. Good night. Good night. Okay. Yes.